Magic Without Fears Hermetic Podcast. I'm your host, Frater R.C. For more and exclusive episodes, visit magicwithoutfears.com. Thank you for your support. Without Fears, Hermetic Podcast. I'm your host, Frater R.C. For more and exclusive episodes, visit magicwithoutfears.com. Thank you for your support. Hey, Frater, just listened to your most recent episode with Augustine Rays, and what an exceptional episode. You guys touched on, I mean, so many big picture stuff and talked about really the core things that I think solo practitioners think about and worry about a lot of the time. So I really appreciate it. I hope you guys go on to the next part of that and um, publish it. Really excited to continue the conversation. Thanks very much. Augustin Reyes, who's about to join me now. Hello. Can you hear what I'm saying? Am I muted? I am talking. Okay. Can you hear me, Frater? I hear you, brother. Yeah. How's it going, man? I'm, I'm going okay. Yeah. It's, well, you know, Excellent. The, the snow actually all melted, so that's... Uh, a nice little break from that, but the snow wasn't so bad, you know. Right, right. It's uh, you know, as long as you're burning fires and stuff, you stay warm. Losing running water, sure. that's an adventure. I feel like Little House in the Big Woods or Little House on the Prairie. <laughs> <clears throat> right. Yeah. yeah. How are you? I am well. I am well. Um, 
I feel like, uh, you know, like the past year now, I've just been in study mode. So I, I don't uh, take enough time to think about how I'm doing. So, you know, like when, whenever I'm asked, it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm just studying, you know? <laughs> Brother, I feel you. Like, honestly, so yeah. it's like, you know, so I, sometimes I want to say, you know, I'm way too busy. right like to worry about how i'm doing i'm too busy i don't have time to worry about how i'm doing i'm busy i'm busy (laughs) right (laughs) i'll sleep enough when i'm dead yeah well (laughs) you know body the body forces us to sleep and takes what it needs and we either give it what it needs or we don't and pay for it so do we have free will really around rest not so much right yeah Man, I, uh, where where do I mean that's you know that's a great question. Like, where do we have free will? You know, I've oh that that one's a, a rabbit hole. Well, I just released a piece today on Rudolf Steiner's questioning of free will and and how okay. determinism works. So we won't get into that, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on on it. For sure. Yeah. Um. I mean. Okay, so I'm just minimizing a couple of things here. Yeah, sorry. Say that again. Uh, who's the, who's the guy who doesn't like free will? Harris. He's in a oh. meditation. Oh yeah, Sam Harris. Sam Harris is yeah. in meditation, but doesn't like free will. Well, that's cool. That's, <laughs> I'm sure. One way or another, right. we'll, he'll figure it out. Maybe he's right. Well, his. Uh, did you read Waking Up? What is that? Is that his book? That's uh, I I don't know if it's his latest book. I know it's uh, one of his more recent ones. I want to say it came out maybe seventeen or twenty eighteen, and you know he goes into uh, great depth about you know like you just said for one free will, but then the other thing he talks about is you know how little consciousness one needs to be considered sentient, and it was, and I and you know, again, it's it's been a little while since I've read it, but you know, here's this guy who, ex like extols just all of these deep meditation and and deep thought ideas, and every day of the week, you know, it changes as to whether or not I think that he's you know on the side of say Daniel Dennett or Chalmers. You know, it's like. So are you telling me you're a materialist or are you not? You know, I mean, and granted, we all change our minds, you know, but uh, I, I'd i like to pin him down a little bit more. <laughs> well, yeah, you, you, you're going to love the piece I do on Steiner tomorrow then. Uh, it's, it's, it's got some oh, fantastic. exact subject. Look at that. I'm roping you into my podcast. I was just listening to your old episode <laughs> with, uh, with Edward and uh, – Joe on Esoteric Nerd again. I tried, Joe, yeah. I tried to listen to it the other day, and I just was almost brought to tears because I, I mean, miss Joe so much. You know, he was one of my my besties. Yeah, in the order twenty years ago, and for sure. Yeah. Fucking, well, he's such a great dude. You know, best of us, man. Brain tumor surgery gone awry. Like yeah. that's the worst, brother. That's horrible. I can't imagine. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many other people I would have rather died on that table than him. That's a, I know that doesn't sound like right. a very uh, Rosicrucian thing to say, but <laughs> <laughs> but alas, here we are. And and I mean, you know, it, again, I'm I'm kind of I get stuck, you know, as far as what does that mean? Like, uh, you noticed in the forum 
when I was asking people, you know, what is Golden Dawn initiation for? You know, um, it's I, I wasn't asking that. Like I, I sometimes will come off as being a troll, like I'm trying to lead people down a route. And and I swear when I asked that question, there was no trolling intention. It was just, you know, like, let's have a conversation. But, you know, I get trapped in this weird place of, you know, what does it mean to be a Rosicrucian? You know, like what, and, and I think you should be trapped there for a little while. You know, you, you should think about it, but you know, I, I'm not sure that saying that there are so many other people who should have been on that table. I don't disagree. I don't know that that's contrary, you know? Yeah, no, I, I, uh, it's, uh, I, I don't think, I think anyone who questioned, who thought you were trolling, first of all, was, uh, it, well, that says more about them, it, their, their pre-understanding and what, how they're going into it rather than it does about your question, which was an honest sure. question. You know, that's part of the greater circulation and when you've been at this for so long. You start asking some of those mm-hmm. cause questions, the essential questions. Actually, yeah. like, like, for example, a question I had for you was like, I was, I was thinking, I was like, if you found the Golden Dawn rituals or found someone able to teach you them, like, you know, back in the day or whenever, but there was no temple or order to join, mm-hmm. or, or say there was no orders or temples that existed, period, um, and you couldn't really go through mm-hmm. initiation in that, in that formal way, would you still, knowing mm-hmm. what you know now and have lived with the rituals, would you would you still tell that self that version of you to practice some of the rituals or all of them or what would you what would you what would you keep outside of any existence? So, because that goes back to root so questions and questions about the nature of what we're doing in the first place, right? What are the absolutely rituals? What do they do? Uh, what would you do even if there was none of the structure or fancy titles or robes? You know, uh, you know right. Trussing it up. What's the word? Um, gilding it. Gilding it. The word is gilding. Right. Because there's a lot of gilding so, in the orders. There's, there's, uh, before I, I answer that, I just wanted to tell you, I picked up um, your introduction to Hermetic Spiritualism. And I'm probably oh. using the wrong title because I'm not looking right at it. Yeah. Hermetic but uh, I wrote that the year after I closed Temple. Yeah. I, I wrote that as like an essay. I yeah, I've enjoyed it thoroughly, and I've got to ask you a couple of questions later on, or or whenever um, about no. like uh, I you, you brought in Slavoj Zizek in there, and it was like, oh my goodness, this is the first time I've read something that's both Hermetic and has his name in there. That was outstanding, but that's neither here nor there. Let me get back to your question. Yeah, you, um, great. Yeah, yeah, I. Uh, I would like to believe that I would still be doing it. I mean, you can remember the old days of the internet when there were easy boards all over the place. Yeah. Um, in those days, I I did work with a an easy board that called itself the Priory of Zion, and it was a Thelemic order, you know, or I can't, you can't even call it an order. It was the guy who was running the board was a Thelemite, and, you know, I was, like, taking lessons from him and, and doing the practice on my own, you know, without any gauge with which to say, oh, I did that right, unless, you know, it was like an email that I would have sent to him. Um, so 
to to answer the fundamental question, I mean, I think absolutely, you know, even without temples or orders, you know, if we look at some of the the real adepts in history, um, a lot of them, you know, weren't gifted, and that's the only way to to look at that. Weren't gifted a temple or you know a physical mentor, you know. So I, I'd like to believe that, you know, that and, – and in fact, I mean, you know when uh, – and, and I'm not going to uh, spill the, the whole speech, but you know when uh, a hierophant is uh, brought into the temple, there is a point of speech where – during the equinox where they say, you know, this is just a preparation for the inward mysteries, for the supreme mysteries, and – yeah. You know, like I remember I used to waffle on the notion of whether self-initiation works or doesn't work or astral initiation works or doesn't work. And I'm sure if, you know, like whomever's listening to this is going to pin me to the wall on this one. But, you know, I my mind hasn't changed on this in a long time. And that is that your higher genius will dictate whatever it is you need to have happen, you know, whatever phenomena it needs to use, it'll use it. If it's astral initiation, it'll use that. If it's self-initiation, it'll use that. If it's reading a book 300 times, you know, backward and forward, it'll use that. You know, it doesn't matter how it gets you to the stone or to to it, you know, to communication. It's going to do whatever phenomena you need, you know, and that's that's what so many people lose out on because they get so dogmatic about, well, it's got to be this way. And if you weren't in a temple by yourself, you know, with an initiating body, then your initiation is crap. No, no, that's bullshit. Yeah, that's a, it is, it's still a debate, isn't it? Um, It is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but here's something that no one really debates. No one I've never heard any anyone of of merit um, argue that you never need to go through the physical initiations, right? I've never mm-hmm. one say mm-hmm. that the astral is sufficient. Not only that, you never need to go through any other. Have you heard anyone say that? Right. Um, I haven't heard anybody in the physical realm say that. Again, you know, like uh, conversations with with my own head, if you like, uh, there've been times I've said that to myself. Um, I think there's, there's something to be said for going through the initiations, no doubt. And especially, you know, if you, again, have the good karma, if you want to use that term, or if you just have the, uh, grace of the highest to, to go through an, an initiation in a physical temple with, um, a practiced officer body, there's nothing like it. You know, it's, it's, it's something unto itself. And, and it's, it's, what's the word for it? Um, it's definitely unique, but as to whether or not someone needs that, I'm not sure. I don't know that, you know, again, going back to your initial question, I'm not sure that, you know, um, you need any of it. I don't know for certain, you know, I, it's it's hard to say it, having gone through physical initiations and having done them. Um, but I'm I'm willing to bet that that there's some wiggle room. 
Yeah, well, there, there most certainly probably is. I mean, as much as what we hold true here may be true in, in the above, uh, oftentimes I think we are mistaken as to how things mm-hmm. operate on the other levels. Um, and, you know, if you can't find that out through uh, meditation right, yeah. and ritual work and uh, spiritual experiences that way, um, you know, then there's always good old plant medicine here to show you a radically different version of reality than you think, is, you know, is universal. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think most people agree, you, you know, if you, if you, you got to go through the physical initiations, like how is important, it's just, if you if you don't, it's, it's a different spiritual path sort of, but going through the masterly I found for Neophyte sure. before I went to them physically, right? Neophyte Zelator astrally did the, did the grade work and then physically went through them. And after that, every initiation I had was, was physical red to who, right? So I was really lucky in that. Um, And I'm very, you know, and obviously portal and five, six have to be physical. I mean, right. uh, So, uh, And I've heard, yeah, I've heard a lot of people debate this and I don't know. I just thought it was, it was good to get your thoughts. We, you and I have something very rare in common. Actually, we, we were both imperators of golden dawn temples and, uh, that's Ah, that's something everyone has in common. How did you find, how did did you find the current of that mantle brother? Was it, (laughs) so it's not you know, I um, wanted. It's not something I ever wanted. Right. Uh, I I can tell you for sure that when it was given to me, I definitely didn't want it. Um, you know, upon reflection, I would have done a lot of things differently. But you know, I don't know that that's a regret as much as it is just reflection. Um, I think, though, you know, like for for one thing, um, when you sent me over that that picture or that photo of uh, of your lesson plan, the way you laid that out, you know, like that in and of itself was just amazing. Like, you know, I would have loved to have something um, similar, like that kind of structure. That was that was outstanding, brother. I think um, Tahuti might actually have been the most busy, active temple in history. Yeah. Yeah, like that. Yes, that, uh, that one month calendar I sent you—that wasn't special. That was mm-hmm. standard from be- from the beginning of my time when it was a full temple to the end to when I closed it myself. Right. Yeah, that was we were. Busy. Yeah, that. that I, the reason you might have actually noticed there wasn't more. Uh, there was only one four equals seven philosophers class on the month. The reason was, mm-hmm. uh, if you noticed, the reason was because there was all those other. You saw all those proctor classes and teacher classes. All the four sevens were in those. So I was teaching me or mm-hmm. one of the other adepts was For sure teaching a teacher class. So we were teaching teachers how to teach the material as well as training proctors how to train their students. And so the, that would have been four sevens and portals right. in that. So that's why, yeah, you didn't have time for a weekly four seven class yeah. as well as all that. We were we were busy as fuck, bro. Super crazy busy. Like, and there was two temples open twenty four seven. You could come in with, and come in and sign. There was like temple logout forms on the outside the doors of both the temples, the large one and the small one. And uh, they would be full. Oh, that's amazing! They'd be full throughout the night with students coming in sometimes at three a.m., four a.m., six a.m. to do ritual work. 
they'd sign out the time. Wow. It was crazy. Yeah. We had like over a hundred active members just, just there. And it was, it was, you know, we even, and we even made things busier than we needed to. Cause when, when, one when, when Martin, uh, became an adept for his brief, brief stint, um, he, he start he started a tradition that I continued, which was we would actually do separate neophyte initiations for each candidate, <laughs> even if it meant we oh, had wow. to go through. So some yeah. those nights where we did two or three neophyte initiations. <laughs> oh man, that's amazing! Oh, that's well. that's got to take a toll. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously that didn't go on forever. And uh, when my became <laughs> an adept, he actually was too lazy to even memorize the words and we had to like start making all these exceptions and that was tough Uh, he was my oldest friend in the world and he sort of skated through the grades on the grace of uh people knowing he knew me and cutting him a break on his tests and stuff and it got it got him he got a big yeah and went nuts he's crazy if you don't Mm. yeah you know Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Ten years later, he joined. I've seen his Order. work. Yeah. Ten years later, he joined Yeshi's Order and tried to schism it and take it over from Yeshi. Oh, jeez. So he he caused the downfall of Tehuti, caused the downfall of Tehuti, and mm-hmm. and almost the downfall of the Thuban Temple as well. This one guy. It's people, man. Power hungry people. That's wow. another thing I wanted to talk about with yeah. you. Like, I, I want to hear your thoughts on Imperator, but. This plays into that that power you were talking about this with very honor fighter BT and and Joe on Esoteric. Uh-huh. You were talking about right, um, you know, having black robes, no white robes in the temple, or even not using grade sashes. It sounded right. like, uh, cutting away some of the status and prestige right. of the gilding and the ego that can get involved, um, which maybe is a discouragement for for egomaniac type power hungry people. Or, but maybe not. I don't know. It's 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 definitely like when I for the first four years I was in the order or five years, there adepts never wore their white robes in in front of you ever. You never saw them. And like the first year and a half right. I was in adepts, no one knew it. They all thought I was still in portal. They thought I was in portal for like three years. Right. And they didn't know people. That, <laughs> right. You didn't know and it should be that way. Until, yeah, you didn't know someone was in the sec in the inner order unless you saw them on the throne of the hierophant or on the dais after that. Yeah, I got to do a, just do a six month term of every dais role. It was quite phenomenal, actually. Oh man, that would be amazing. Um, uh, yeah. Just orically speaking, you know. Yeah, I did a did um, demonstrator and imperator a few times. But man, that imperator current. Okay. Like, that imperator current you know, <laughs> kicked your ass, especially for, like I was twenty two, twenty three. Yeah, it, it was rough. Yeah. How how did you find it? Did you what did you feel like um, attracted any? Like, and what sort of examples of crap did the current maybe force you to deal with from yourself or others? So, I can tell you for sure that one of the things that that happened, and. You know, we can talk about reasons why, but one of the things that happened after I became Imperator was um, after a neophyte, you know, well, in fact, even after the elemental initiations, uh, I wouldn't be able to sleep for the following maybe six hours on average. Um, So I don't know. Again, you know, we, we can talk about what that is, what that means, but one of the things that that did or it facilitated was it made me a much more, I'll use the word diligent person in my own life. 
Um, and maybe diligence, not the right word. Maybe vigilant is a more accurate word. Um, and it never felt like, you know, I, I got away from the idea of being magically attacked. Uh, I'm not saying that it doesn't exist or that, you know, people don't do it, but, um, but it felt like that kind of vigilance, if that makes sense. Like I'm always look, trying to look around the corner. Like that's, that's the kind of way that I felt like I was staying awake. Um, more than that though, I think that it really gave me an opportunity to cut away my own bullshit with, with politics, you know, as political as a role as that is, you know, it, it finally also gave me a chance to stop caring about any of that. You know, um, I found myself, um, being, I want to say more free or open with neophytes, you know, like I, I felt as though, um, if if you ever read any of the the pyramid texts, they talk about how the the doors are gods themselves, right? And I felt like a doorway, um, in in the sense that you know I always felt like, um, like I was letting. I, I, it almost sounds arrogant to say it now, but I was letting someone into the mysteries, you know. And I mean this carried over into my my other work when I would be uh working in IT with people in the sense that you know um if you had a uh an issue or a problem um I would be there to I I I had this real maternal instinct to start trying to not solve the problem for you but help you to solve the problem yourself you know, um, and those were the biggest things. I'm I'm curious what um, more specifically did you mean? Like what goes on energetically as as being an impurator, or did you mean, you know, um, something else? Yeah, it's all it's all very interesting. Yeah, yeah. Do you make any uh, changes uh, in the in the order at Temple Temple to, to talk, oh, Okay. Right? Did you make any right, right. to try and manage the membership better? So, I mean, that, that seemed like it was always under construction. You know, um, we definitely were, were changing, you know, one, uh, the way we were interviewing people, you know, the, uh, my mentor and, and uh, former imperator, I, I, I think I mentioned this on uh, BT's Esoteric Nerd podcast, but, you know, there, there came a point where he's like, you know, look, we're not under the old regime anymore. You don't need to initiate everybody, you know. Um, and right. so yeah. that was one of the that's, things. That's why the or, we had the largest order in history is because there, no, there was no filtration. It, they just... You know, yeah. good old Voldemort was taking everyone's money, and uh, <laughs> right, and that that was that. Yeah, and there's much. It's good that the orders around now have more of a screening process. Up at Tahuti, we had we implemented some. Like eventually, we stopped letting schizophrenics in because we weren't trained to handle them. Yeah, of course. we just weren't trained to handle it. It's not that you shouldn't be in the mysteries, but sure. Um, and then uh, we also didn't allow in th- thelemites or any OTO people, which in retrospect I have come to believe was a, okay. a, a, major, a big mistake. But that was a order order wide policy, mm-hmm. yeah, and I'm sure right, you know, right. I remember you know all the arguments about that and reasons and stuff. 
Yeah. Um, so one of the other things that we did was uh, we did a lot of experimenting as far as the initiations went, which, you know, uh, again, anybody who would listen to this and, you know, like is governing their temple, all I can tell you for sure is to experiment as much as possible there. You know, if you look at the cipher documents um, or manuscripts, as you like, there's a lot of play. You know, there's a lot of things that you can play with. One of the things that I did, and I, um, I probably wouldn't have said this before, but I'm, you know, I'm at a point where it's like, you know, who's going to tell me otherwise? I mean, it already happened and whatever. But, you know, uh, I think I mentioned to you that I was uh, working with Zalski in his uh, inner order work, you know, his adept classes. Oh, and so we started to use Martin. Right. Correct. Yeah. And uh, we started to use some of his Godform work and some of his floor pattern work and things like that. Um, things that before then, you know, it's like the only gods that we would have in the temple in astral form would be the major Egyptian gods from the neophyte itself. And, um, you know, Pat didn't, doesn't work that way. You know, he, he, uses uh different pantheons um i don't want to you know people can read his book or work with him i think he still intakes people but uh you know that was that was a huge thing we we worked with um we streamlined some different things um for instance we um what pen in the Zelator? Sorry, what, go on. What pantheon does Pat Zaleski work with? So, um, if memory serves, at least in the Practicus, I know that uh, the Greek gods are present. Um, Strange, but yeah, yeah, it is. It, it, it's it's different, um, and it's not to say that the Egyptian aren't there. Sorry, Practicus is one of my favorite initiations. I love I love being. Oh yeah, some of the some of the best speeches and man, I actually gave like whole lectures on the path of scintillating intelligence and the perpetual intelligence. And I did a whole two hour lecture on the stone Minnesota in one, one, one time. Oh man. I would have loved to have sat in on that, that, uh, yeah, well, we're many just, a conversation we're, on that one. We're like two different eras of the same order talking to each other. Yeah. Cause, cause you, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for you, sure. I think you came in what in 2009, 10, no, no, no. I was uh, my neophyte was in '04. Uh, well, I get I came into the inner in '09. Uh, okay, so yeah, so you came into neophyte the year the year that I closed to Hootie and that Canada right from the states. Wow, so you're like right after me. That's uh, that's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. We just missed each yeah. other. We just missed each other. for sure. Um, yeah. So I mean, you know, like like you say though, you know that. In in each of those, um, or sorry, uh, I'm mixing up my conversations here. Um, so that's for sure one of the places where he changes things up. Um, he also, and and again, you know, I don't want to spoil surprises for people or, or talk inside baseball, but um, in the Zelator, he changes positions of God forms, and he does it in a very interesting way, such that you know um, if. This one, I guess, is is not 
telling, at least if it's out of context. And that is that, you know, the he places the fill thought on the, the floor of the temple itself, which I'd never done that before. I don't know if my predecessors were doing that or not, but if they did, they didn't share it. Um, and so that was, you know, those kinds of things we changed. And, and that was super interesting to me. You know, like there was a, we spent, um, I want to say around six months, there was about four of us adepts who just spent uh, each Sunday work investigating um, the difference, say, between the opening of the watchtower and the SIRP and the SBRP. Um, and then, you know, like we would just take an hour and, you know, like we, we were trying to go back to basics. There's, there's a saying by, uh, Ip Man, who was a famous Wing Chun instructor. He, uh, taught Bruce Lee. He says, you know, uh, a good teacher adds things to an already existing system, you know, such in a way that it flows seamlessly, but a great teacher knows what to take away. And so we were working on that apophatic style, you know, like what isn't necessary? What have we put in here that's superfluous, you know? Um, And we probably could have spent a lot more time doing that, but, but those were some of the things, you know? Well, actually, you know, uh, to his credit. And now a word from our sponsors. While we cannot control whether any ads get put in the spots allocated, we thank you for listening to those that do since they help keep this project alive. You can also get ad-free content and bonus content and videos and a private webpage by subscribing exclusively to magicwithoutfears.com for only a couple dollars a week or $6 a month or 50 for the year. It helps a lot, plus you get emails about other exclusive things. Thank you very much. Good old Voldemort made a made a few little uh, tweaks here and there about removing, you know, exactly that yeah. uh, superfluous hierarchy invocations during Sephirotic work and stuff. And that was it was interesting. Okay. It made sense, right? You know, um, if you're not bringing the mm-hmm. energy down the the four worlds, do you need the choir of of the choir? Do you need the choir? Maybe you don't. Maybe right. maybe all you need is the divine the absolutic name of the Sephira. Maybe that's what all you need. And I know people do stuff like that similarly in Enochian working as well. Yeah. It's interesting. Right. Right. That's, that's I, I never heard about the filfo on the floor of the temple either. Um, and I didn't realize that, yeah. uh, that Pat Zaleski changed so much stuff. Like that's not, and I think that, is, that those are his changes, right? That's not stuff he uh, learned from Fadi Ra or anything like that. Well, according to him, a lot of it isn't his changes. I think when when we were working together, he, I, I want to say he told me it was close to ninety ten. You know, where he was getting ninety um, percent of it was was given to him by Jack, and ten percent is you know what he was guided to do either by spirit um, or by the feel of energy itself. Um, there's no way I, I, am not sure, you know, I, I don't want to, uh, say that he was lying to me, but I, I don't know how I would be able to test whether that was the case or not. You know, he definitely, he definitely has an interesting pathway of study for someone who wants to go through the inner order training. Um, yeah. And for those listening, for sure. Jack, Jack is a reference to Jack Taylor, who's one of the 
people that passed on. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Fade raw tradition. No, that's okay. There's a lot of, a, we can t- make a lot of assumed knowledge, but yeah, it's nice too. I'm just proud that I know who he is. I'm just like, I know that guy, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. No, apparently he was initiating people, even though he was confined to a wheelchair, he was still, he was still making and uh, making initiates. Right. Right. There was, uh, there's a story that, that Pat told me, and I don't know if it's published or not, but you know, um, he was, uh, he was tasked by Jack to perform some astral working. And rather than placing, uh, the head of the lion in the South, he did something else. And, you know, Jack not missing a beat called him out on it. And he's like, and, and again, I'm, I'm probably going to screw up the story, but it was something to the effect of, you know, that's not where Taurus goes, buddy, you know? And, uh, like, you know, you hear things like that and it's, it's, it's amazing to me, you know, like one of my, uh, proctors is, uh, Frater AA, you know, the, the Imperator, the former Imperator, um, as I was mentioning to you in our texts or messaging, um, one time, Years ago, I was down in his basement, and I was, was working through. That was someone I knew. Sorry, that was a guy I knew, right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, yeah, because he and his brother had both gone up to Tahuti, I yeah. believe, the year before that. Yeah, yeah, no, they were in a lot of my yeah. classes, and I I was officers in a lot of their initiations. They were they were nice guys. I'm I'm I was I was like right. those guys. I never got to know them yeah. as well as well as I wanted because they 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 got into the inner order after at two thousand four. So yeah. I actually right. I was one of the right. people pushing but, for uh, be admitted. Oh, okay. Outstanding, yeah. Well, I, I mean you couldn't it. ask for a what's up? Yeah. I was all for expanding it and empowering people to expand the order and you know like uh, yeah there you know there was two sides to that sort of control yeah. and power struggle but like if they hadn't done what <laughs> right. they did, then you wouldn't you know the gdcss wouldn't be continuing the tradition i i just had just a months ago earlier this year uh, someone who came to me for spiritual direction uh, uh has joined your order and is in neophyte now uh, actually, I was just talking, oh, outstanding. talking with her before this. And, uh, yeah, so I've sent so far like over a dozen people who this year to G Golden Dawn orders. That's outstanding. Well, thank you, brother. Yeah. Well, I'm not um, hating people. So, so, you know, thank God for you guys. Yeah. Who, they're still, uh, running temples. It's not a, it's not a cheap endeavor. Right. It's time-consuming and often thin. No, no, not by any stretch of the imagination. If we didn't have all the gildings and robes no. and badges, how we would feel no appreciation whatsoever. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd like to talk about um, the issue of... You know... Continue. Go ahead. Oh. I just have a list of um, things I want to okay. talk about. Well, I'm you, really you, excited to get to talk, you know, on the level with someone about these things. It's great. For sure. Um, the only thing I was going to add to that was that I had a similar experience to Pat with uh, when Jeff actually uh, did the same thing in uh, in his basement. I was down there working on some uh, uh, one of the Cicero's Enochian scrying deck book, and they were talking about the manipulation of the elemental energies. And, you know, 
unbeknownst to, well, I guess not unbeknownst to him, but uh, as I'm sitting there at the table, I'm trying to draw up fire and I'm trying to draw up fire and I'm trying to draw it up. And as I'm looking at my hand, he's like, it looks like uh, you need a little more fire there. And, and you know, it's, there's no reason for him to have known that, you know, it's not like I had a deck out or anything. And it's one of those cool little psychic experiences where it's like, I have to be really in state to do something like that. It's amazing to see somebody who doesn't, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I was, I, 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 the last time I demoed anything was at a, the famous Kit Kat club in Berlin the other year. Someone, someone, tested me and and oh uh, wow and i got i got permission right because you know you ask your higher self permission and because your will can't be divided by emotion as we know from for the, sure the flying rule and so i had permission to just let the energy flow and demonstrate something that was uh you know a little mind numbingly shocking to those present you know i like i learned from tdl same, oh, as, that's a- same as you so like you know tdl you know, yeah, he can tell you stuff, you know, pick a number and a color. He'll tell you what they are. Right. You know, and these are things actually, right. that I always tell my students, these are things that you, you develop through the most basic rudimentary exercises, like the tarot contemplation ritual. You want to learn mind reading, right? Practice the tarot contemplation ritual. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, two things you said there that are interesting to me. One, you know, uh, Berlin is definitely on the list to go to. You know, um, there's Absolutely. there's family over there that uh, I've never met, and and I definitely well, they're not in Berlin, but uh, they are in Germany anyway, um, and especially that, that club for sure. But two, you know, there, if if I could write something on my gravestone it would be go back to basics, you know, like that, that is the only thing, you know, like right now, as we speak, like one of the things that I'm doing in my own work um, has been, it's, it seems like it's more and more meditation, you know, and it's like meditation on the point that hands down, like, you know, people scoff at it, but it's, it's an amazing thing when it's practiced enough and and I say enough because you know like you hear some people say practice rightly, and I think if you practice it long enough, you're going to practice it right, or you're going to get bored and stop. Yeah, baby. No, you you just said one of the most important things for people to hear, right? Like I was thinking about this as I was putting together some instructions the other day, and the 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 reason I do the LBRP correctly is because I've done it in so many different ways and I can still do it in so many different ways. And that's, what's correct. It's like, it goes, absolutely. It goes back to your hip man and Bruce Lee, right? Like you, the, the power of a technique is not knowing how it's done. It's having, being able to adapt it to any moment, any environment, any situation so that you actually can execute it and have the results achieved. Right. Absolutely. Oh, but I punched correctly. Why didn't I hit the guy? Well, he moved. <laughs> yeah. Right. But I right. did. Right. It's like, well, yeah. Sometimes <laughs> wrong and wrong is right. And that's very kabbalistic. Oh man. Yeah, it's also Plato's Republic all day. Oh yeah, yeah. You, you, you Platonists. Everyone's into Plato these days. I'm staunchly. <laughs> and all of that any ads bullshit 
I, I would that's amazing. More. I love it. I'd say more, but uh, I, I literally already wrote a book on it. My main book that's worth reading is The Ethics of Understanding God. That's my opus. That's the only real book I've ever written. I have. Hmm? So I have that book as well, and I intend to start working on that one once I finish uh, the introductory work that you did. Yeah, um, it's a little tough. So, it's, written you know, it's, it's written in technical the philosophical theology language and there's some semiotics and stuff, but um, okay. you know, I'm going to spend the rest of my life explaining what I wrote. Oh, I love semiotics. Yeah. I, I, I realized after I wrote it that I will spend the rest of my life explaining what I meant, but I didn't put it out for a long time because I wanted to really <laughs> yeah. challenge the ideas. So for over a decade, I was challenging my own ideas because again, I produced it young uh, for my master's and getting to get into my PhD. That's the best way. Right. You know, and I just wasn't like it was an exercise of intellect. Right. So my intellect was at full force at its best. I'd never even smoked a joint in my life when I wrote that. I'd never really done any drugs or drunk mm. at all. Um, like, yeah, some some lots of Guinness for sure. But that was a that's a side effect of playing Irish music. Oh, yeah. But um, but, you know, I was <laughs> I was in hardcore in grad school and in and, and my Ph.D. Uh, with at the time. So, um I wrote it. As I suspect you're familiar with the term spiritual autolysis, correct? No. Okay. Um, autolysis just being, you know, like eating yourself, right? Um, or digesting yourself, I guess. Um, but the idea is that, and there are a couple of people who work towards enlightenment in that fashion. For instance, one name that comes to mind is Jed McKenna. He's offered uh, a book. There's there's a couple of things like spiritual warfare, um, spiritually incorrect enlightenment, and uh, enlightenment, the damnedest thing. That's that's the trilogy. But in, in any event, his technique towards complete and total illumination is what's called self-autolysis or yeah, uh, spiritual. No, he says self-autolysis. And what you do is you sit down and you make your best attempt at writing something that's true and see how far you can take that and then take it further. And so if you sit on a document like your book for 10 years, trying to refine it and constantly refine it, like you and I know through the countless initiations that we've been through and seen, that refinement is the process. You know, like people get confused and they're looking for the perfect. And the perfect, again, you know, it, it's something I, I keep saying to myself at least, perfect isn't a noun, it's a verb, you know. Um, and when you get to that step, you know, what, whatever step you're on right now, you can always refine it further and, and learn more. You know, like there's, there's no end to and, – and I'm sorry if I sound like I'm pontificating or anything like that. But, uh, you know, like there's no end to the amount of, you know, length that we can go when we search for the higher. Right. Absolutely. There's no end. There is no end. Right. I mean, that, that's why alchemy describes the process, I think, as a circulation. And you have the lesser circulation of, like, the outer order elements, and then you have the greater circulation that spans to all of time and space for your soul. Right. Yeah. But I always think of it as you keep going through it. Like, I like thinking of it on, this, on the tree of life where, you know, we go down the lightning flash, then we climb up the serpent. And then we repeat it. It's like in the, in the circulation of the body of light. Mm -hmm. 
right? That's that's, and letters. that's the whole thing. Like that's a ritual. See, if there was no orders or 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 temples or initiations, I would still practice the middle pillar and the circulation of the body of light for sure. You know, yeah, and probably yeah. agree. Probably uh, do I? I'm not sure if I would practice like LBRP, BRH, or invoking versions, or if I would do the Supremes. I'm not sure. Mm. Just keep the watchtower because the watchtower is like one of my favorite things. Right. What, well, what and, and I mean, you know, that's, that's one of those things that if you just look at the, the layout itself, it's, you know, macrocosmic where the SIRP or SBRP is microcosmic, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and that in and of itself, it's like, man, I'm, I'm finally touching something outside of myself, you know, yeah, which well, sounds wonderful, but <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there's, there's the, you can look at it as LBRP banishes the microcosm of the microcosm, BRH, the macrocosm of the microcosm, and then the Supremes are macro, but you could also look at it as the pentagram rituals banish or invoke or cleanse or call or summon the elemental and the hexagrams, the planetary. Um, mm-hmm. And again, then this, then the, but then the hexagram supremes function very differently than the, the, uh, the standard one. What are your thoughts? What, you know? So, um, I don't know that I, I, I disagree with anything that you just said right there. The, well, I was the mostly, one thing just to be that, clear, I'm sharing, I'm sharing, Oh, Common models, not necessarily what I think or whatever, but these are things uh-huh. people should understand are, are okay. models of understanding these things. There's a lot of different ways to understand these things, and these are some of the most common. Right, right. Um, so, you know, again, if we look at the fact of – or not even look at the fact, but if we we look down on the temple itself or the temple space and you notice the – formulation of tetragrammaton i think that that tells you a lot too you know and and this is where i go back to um you know that that the pentagrams themselves uh are definitely microcosmic in that way you know because we have uh you know the when we have air in the east versus fire you know we're we're starting inwardly you know which is why when i first had that that touch or that taste of the macrocosmic with the opening you know when you're starting with fire in the east um it it sort of pulls at 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 your body well not your body at your um at your light body you know there's a a certain thing you know like this is it it gave for me it gave some amount of validity to this idea you know of of reading um Westcott and Mathers talking about you know the the circumambulation and the reverse circumambulation um raising light and descending light and it's like okay now i can finally feel what it is you're talking about you know um and so in that sense too you know, that, that shows us something about the neophyte, you know, and how that exorcism is, in in one sense, a macrocosmic exorcism, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes, very much so. Some people even argue the neophyte initiation abrogates your natal chart. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. That's interesting. That's what I was taught. I think, um, I, I, think I might have even you know, been taught by like uh, Frater Carr, Nineveh Shadrach, or one of the early adepts who I had in back in like 97, 98. Might have been AMO. Okay. I, I, oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember AMO. Yeah, Bjorn. Um, or at least I remember those initials. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's right. Yes, yes, I do. Okay. Um, and so, you know, like you just said with, with negating the natal chart, one of the funny things that I noticed was um, my neophyte was on December 4th of 04, and my uh, 5-6 was... I want to say it was the first week of January of 09. And so what I noticed in my own actual natal chart is my rising is Sagittarius and my sun is Capricorn. And it seemed like, you know, of course it would fit that, you know, my neophyte would be in Sagittarius and my uh, five, six would be in Capricorn, you know? Hmm. Of course, there were a lot of aspects that were definitely different and changed, but, you know, it was certainly a, a fun little uh, exercise. My, my knowledge of astrology is, is severely lacking. Well, of course, a lot of adepts were made in Capricorn because it was, there was uh, around the solstice, of course. Because, mm, yeah. You know, because that's when there was a, a get-together anyway, and... Uh, yeah, we all right. You know, that, right. I was there, or or power weeks uh, in August, right? So, yeah, a lot of a lot of adepts made yeah. Capricorn or Leo. <laughs> I wonder if we could do a study of CC. <laughs> you know what I'm about to say. <laughs> you know exactly what I'm thinking. <laughs> oh many, yeah. What percentage of the dickhead adepts were made in Leo? <laughs> <laughs> uh. Oh man! I tell you what, though, man. Like some of the 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 torture that that those guys went through, you know, like during that time, just because it was in Leo, being uh, with again without talking inside baseball, but but being um, isolated for as long as some of those adepts were isolated, it's that that's beyond initiation. That's just pure mean. <laughs> You well, know, I, think, I think I hold the. Record. I'd probably be an asshole adept. If... Really? Okay. Yeah. How many hours? I also hold. I also hold the, the record for begging. I made seventy. <laughs> oh no, kidding! Seventy-four dollars. Brother, I I've heard stories about that. I was never around for me. the begging. Yeah, that was me, man. I was. It was. It was hardcore. Yeah, but fucking, of course, our Swiss adept has the record for the least amount. He made 75 cents in like six hours. <laughs> <of writing. laughs> oh, that's outstanding. Yeah, no, I made, I made, I made almost $80. Uh, 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 Voldemort was so shocked. He was like, now you can feed yourself. <laughs> was that at the Gausty uh, gas station over there? Yeah, yeah he was like, Frater, you, you, uh, you missed your calling. Uh, as in, 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 in university, <laughs> you're called to be a bum. Oh, jeez, um, I can I, hear it. I was like, yeah, I, I guess, I guess, you know, if I can make like twelve bucks US an hour as a bum. <laughs> well, you know, Man. in Ireland, my first week in Ireland, I was making twenty euros, thirty euros an hour busking. That's oh, 
it's probably why I stayed there so long. No, it's not true. But um, yeah, no, <laughs> you can do better than begging people. Don't don't beg. It's not good. Is it is it a humbling experience <laughs> if you're forced to do it all night once in your life? You betcha. This is something I yeah. don't think it's actually ever been talked about before publicly. I don't think so. I, I, I like I said, I've heard the stories, but you know, uh, by the time I'd heard those stories, most everybody who'd gone through that, excluding say, you know, some of the older ones like BT or TDL, you know, uh, like you yourself, you know, you you weren't there at that time, you know, and so um, let me see, I wasn't there. Where? Well, no, what I mean to say is like when I was hearing these stories, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't get to hear about uh, anybody who was who had actually gone through it. Like most people had to go through something ridiculous, but, you know, it wasn't always the begging, you know. I thought the begging was good. It made sense. And, you know, I was in tears, yeah. I was in tears a lot of it because like they could see I wasn't dressed homeless. Like I had a fucking right. brand, I had TDL's brand spanking new like million dollar cell phone in my pocket that I tried to ma- obscure, but you know, one guy yeah. when guy came out and started praying with me and, and all that one guy came out, man. And oh, that's amazing. One guy came out after getting his stuff, his food or whatever at the shop came out and he walks up to me, puts $5 bill on my hand. He says, he says, he said, this is, this is not easy. This hurts me, but I think you need it more. Oh, wow. And I like just he left and I just started crying. That's that's off. One guy bought me wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't give me money but wanted to buy me food and I was like, Oh, I I don't can't take that, right? So and you know what was really here's what's so he bought me food and then I had to I was sta- still yeah. standing there by the door, so I, I had to pretend to go off and eat it. And I of course was preparing for an initiation, so I wasn't allowed to eat anything. I couldn't eat anything. Right. Um, they were like, right, right. you can't eat. You have to fast the day before your initiation. And I didn't realize there was a very practical reason for that. Yeah. Um, so I had to go off and pretend to eat. Yeah. Come back. Cause you know, there's, there's truckers hanging around the truck stop. And, uh, I came back when he had gone and for sure and was kept at it till, you know, I guess like four, four in the morning or whatever, three, four in the morning from like six at night. Oh my goodness. Um, and it was, an, it was very intense and like, you can't do that sort of thing in a ceremonial context without, you know, drawing parallels to the, the, the Christian story. I mean, this, that's, that's such a part of Christianity is right for your food. And here's the ironic thing, brother, you're going to love this because I was only 20 years old. Mm-hmm. I had never experienced drinking mm-hmm. drugs or any of that stuff. So it never even crossed my mind what it seemed like mm-hmm. to other people. Now as an adult, I'm like, Oh, they thought I was uh, okay. who needed money for drugs. Of course, that's what everyone thought. You see someone who's right. not all raggedy and who, yeah. who was dressed well. Like, you know, I dressed very, <laughs> I dressed really well back then because I was 20. Yeah. And, you know, clearly I must have been some drug mm. addict that got like thrown out by my girlfriend. But like, I didn't know that that didn't even ever cross my mind. One. <laughs> that never occurred to me. That reality was unknown to me. Oh, that's amazing. Isn't that weird? <laughs> yeah. So I was just like, Jesus. And I was like, you know, this is, that's, that's, and I'm that's, taking money from people who need it. And what kind of asshole am I? And then I realized I was having right. to, to alchemize the selfishness of the world in that action over and over again. I was having to mm. absorb the selfishness that right. does exist in the world of people begging when rather than, 
you know, who don't need like, you know, like it was weird. It was really, there was some crazy energy going through me that I had yeah. to confront. And, you know, I, then, then I was lucky enough to have, uh, you know, three days in the dark to, uh, think about what I had just gone through. <laughs> right. Very, right. Very Jesus, very Jesus, brother. Um, I've heard stories. Yeah. Yeah. We're not going right. to. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That. There's, there's no doubt about that. Um, I believe that the purpose of the Golden Dawn system of initiation to, from neophyte to adepthood and really neophyte to hierophant, because the completion of the journey of the neophyte is when you sit on the throne of the hierophant and initiate a neophyte. That's the completion of the journey, really. That's why you make right. a red robe for yourself. The white robe is not the end. It's the red robe that's right. the end. When you make that red robe, not the white one, that's the very, that's the purpose of the journey. Right. And everyone really should get the chance to go through it if they want to. Now, is it hard as fuck? Yeah, of course. And it has mm-hmm. to be. It has to be. Does it have to yeah, be absolutely. hard as it was for me? God, no. I would never want my mom or sister going through what I went through. <laughs> but they were fucking with me extra hard because right, I was 10 sure. years old, right? I had started at, 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 six, at 15. 15, I was a <laughs> neophyte. So, of course, they put me through more than they put other people through. Because what were the chances of me doing this the rest yeah, of my life? Yeah, no doubt. What were the chances of you and I having this conversation literally 20 years later? Minus one month because I was yeah, in the Astronomical is, yeah. Like, yeah, what's the chances you and I would still be talking about this stuff, still doing this stuff, and it would still be the most fundamental core of my life 20 years later? As you know, from 20 to that, what are the chances? The chances <laughs> are nothing. There's no chance. This, yeah from 15 to 40 is going to do this work right? and keep it in, in their life. But, um, here we are. They, they, you know, they, 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 yeah. held, they held me for review for many, many months before neophyte, like for an inordinate amount of time. And the first year I wasn't allowed contact with other, uh, members other than the teachers and Frater Ka, Mimo. Mm. Um, for obviously good reason. Oh wow, that's that's. Str- were they trying to do like a an they, AA kind of thing? No, they were protecting a fifteen-year-old from some of the nut jobs that that trickled. Oh, slip by oh okay, yeah, that makes a lot there, more sense. There's always a few weirdos that sneak into every every human group or society, and you know you don't want one of them fucking yeah. Up a child. Yeah. yeah. When I one of the right, for sure at for 15, sure that, that, at fifteen I was underage in Canada even for like sexual consent, but at 16 mm, you're okay. of age. in Canada, at 16, you're of right. age for sexual consent. Now, a few years before that, the age of consent in Canada was actually 14, believe it or not, but the conservative government changed that and probably, huh. for, probably a good thing they did. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, people, people are absolutely. We're tough on our conservatives um, here, but we, you know, we still let them be in power for 10 years. We have no term limits in Canada. Do you know that we have no term limits for our government in Canada for like the prim, prime minister? I was not aware of that. Oh yeah. Our last prime minister wasn't, you know, it's, it's funny uh, again. Was in office how long? 10 years. The, we had, we had a concert. We had the conservatives running the country for 10 years. Oh wow. Can you imagine if Trump was allowed to stay in forever in Canada, he'd be allowed to be. Oh, uh, well, you know, well, you know um, Obama might have. There are people who are now. trying to make that the case. But who? Who? Here's the question: Why would you want to be in power in Canada? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's let's jump off the of politics because we were talking about much more. I mean, to follow in the steps of Trudeau for sure. 
Oh, yeah. yeah. If only he had his father's brain, but no, you know, we got, we got our problems up here as well. <laughs> you know, that's not the politic thing is, uh, is the elephant yeah. in the room, but, but I have said, I, 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 how many, how often do, Always. how often do two Golden Dawn Imperators get to talk to each other? So let's, let's, let's talk about what we right. Um, so if you had to pick out rituals, like less than an hour of daily rituals that you were to do, even though you had never, there was never any, mm-hmm. rituals, which rituals would you do? Say half an hour. See, because that limits you. That means you can't throw in things like a good long middle pillar and the watchtower. You can't do all that in half an hour unless you're rushing it, right? Because, you know, you want, you obviously you wouldn't throw okay. away. Are we including meditation? Yeah, because that's crucial, right? Because you, you wouldn't throw away the relaxation meditation, right. fourfold breathing, and then the rising up into right. beyond the three veils. You wouldn't throw that away because that's crucial to the Kabbalistic cross. People don't say that enough. Absolutely. Absolute. Oh my God. Yes. I 100% agree with that. So to answer that, and again, I'm going to use another quote here. Um, and I, I'm almost certain it's Abraham Lincoln. You know, if I have to cut down a tree and I only have 10 hours, I'm going to spend nine hours sharpening the ax. And in the same way, um, if I only have a half hour to do ritual work, then 20 minutes of it is going to be spent in relaxation um, and the meditation on the point. And then 10 minutes is going to be spent either A, doing the middle pillar, or B, doing the LBRP. Um, Well, you know what? No, that's a lie now. It would probably be the SIRP now. And I say that because uh, my, my thoughts, you know, the model I prefer. What's that? I, I was joking. I said, maybe you've been talking to Ramses. Ah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I think there's a um, very, very solid argument for a depth the, the, from the LBRP and BRH to the Supreme. I think there's a solid argument for that. Yeah. That'd well, but, you know, the reality I, I can is see reality. why one would choose either. We always did all of it. We always we kept doing all of it because like people like me and Martin would look at each other and be like, what are we going to do? We we're going to we'd be like, we're going to go do five, six hours of ritual work. Right. We're, we weren't looking to save time. Yeah. <laughs> right. We'd be like, oh, it's, it's so one of the other guys. Uh, one of the, the, the demonstrator who was uh, in, you know, like in term while I was the Imperator. That was one of the things that he would always ask because people always wanted to rush through things. And he's like, I'm not going to go through this ritual. You know, we're not going to do and, – and mind you, we were doing group uh, versions of the invocation of the bornless. And so he would tell you straight off the bat, if you think we're going to spend 45 minutes doing this, then you can do it by yourself and I'll come back when we have more time. You yeah. know, And I totally back that up, you know. Okay, wait, maybe I didn't understand what you just said. You were saying that that was okay. not enough time or too much time? No, that was not enough time. That makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. If you wanted to go through the ritual, you, you and I both know you can do 
the the born list in less than, uh, in far less than forty five minutes. But if you actually want to perform it and you actually you know want to have some fruits off the tree, forty five minutes a ritual does not make. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I've started. Oh, here you you might like this. Do you still teach students? Do you still work with people? Right now, I'm on sabbatical because of the uh, the teaching that I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, or sorry, not the teaching, but the training I'm doing. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I, I still do teach. But yeah, so so you're still technically in the GDCSS. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I wasn't sure. Cause you know, it's definitely been a few years and who knows. I, I didn't know how active the order was until the directee of, of mine uh, yeah. joined it, which, which I thought was amazing and, and good. I was really glad they didn't join Griffin by accident, you know, um, as one of my students accidentally confused Cicero's with Griffin yeah. going Griffin by accident. Yeah, that was bad. Oh, jeez. But it gave me access to yeah. Griffin's mainframe for a while. <laughs> I was going to ask you about that. And I, I know you, you know, we're going to be talking about other things, but you'd mentioned uh, when you were talking to IPAL about um, did, and, and if you don't want to talk about this now, that's fine, but I, I'd love to, to hear about more about this. Did Griffin break into your home? Yeah. Did I misunderstand a story? Yeah, no, that, that, that happened. Tons of witnesses. We were in the middle of a neophyte initiation, so there's a lot of witnesses including the phylax who had, oh my to, goodness. He, he assaulted the phylax and she had to force him out of the door with, at the point of the claymore she was holding. Like, Oh my goodness. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. But Frater Yeshi told me that the version of the story he heard was that Griffin came in and just, we sort of moved aside like the Red Sea parted and he went into the temple, into the throne. <laughs> I mean, this, is, this is a massive temple. This is, it was very tall, so you couldn't really see the ceiling. He came in, stood on the throne of the Hierophant. Apparently I just stepped okay. aside. Everyone just stepped aside and bowed. And he, he stood on the throne of the Hierophant mm. um, and cursed us with with a curse and then we fell shortly thereafter and all he was wearing the entire time he said was a cock ring <laughs> now holy shit i don't think i ever I knew i might have how how much of a megalomaniac he was so i did add a little detail to that story i'm not going to say what detail i added on to 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 gargamel's gargle can we call him Gargalges? Yeah, Gargal Gargajil's uh, version of Frater <laughs> Yeshi. But that was very funny to me. So as a result, uh, so uh, you know, I had I did tell the story. I told a, a caricature of the story on Esoteric Nerd when I did that to relive those events and okay. uh, the falling the schism between America and Canada in the order was a hard thing. When yeah. I did the I got pretty heavily stoned to handle the anxiety of talking about what happened. But I wish I had talked about it sooner because some of the players involved wouldn't have been able to go on and ruin some other people's lives and stuff like that. So, oh, you right. Know. But yeah, no, he broke in during an initiation. So what more sign do you need? And I was called, you saw me called out on some, on some Facebook forums and stuff about me referencing that and people saying, how dare you say these things? It's like, I'm not making this up. Like that's one of the reasons yeah. I, I was asked by, right. I, I was gone. I, I went dark, right? I was hidden from the occult world for a very long time mm. for very, cause, cause it ruined my mother and sister's lives to a very large extent. These people doing these power games and shenanigans. Right. 
And um, that's a, there's a human cost to this yeah. um, when you're dealing with powerful forces and yeah. also some very sick people. And just give me a sec. Sure. So I realized, um, yeah, these, these things do need to be talked about. And I was asked to, to, to sort of make it, make it known because it's not me just slandering Griffin because he used yeah. to, he likes to dress as a Nazi in Thule society clothing, which we all know from the nineties because we saw the pictures on Thule society right. websites. I was really not going to talk about this, but you asked, so we're going to do it quickly. Yeah. We're going to get through it. We're going to get through it and move on to some good stuff that no one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You and me have covered some amazing things that have never been talked about. I think this clearly, and, and that's really good. Um, but For yeah, sure. um, Yeah, it's still, it's, it's still, yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, me and my family never recovered from this and we still have it to this day. It's not something we will recover from as right. a family ever. Um, yeah. And by which I mean, not the, any individual event per se, but the, all of the events in totality that followed, you know, my sister was engaged to, to, right. to, to ICL, right? Like, you know, this was a, you know, mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, Voldemort's my fucking godfather, mm-hmm. right? This is my family. And, uh, oh, wow. Right. This is hard yeah. to talk about sometimes. But yeah, but Griffin did break in yeah. during a Neophyte initiation. So, what kind of, he's now running a church of the Golden Dawn, right? But this is a guy I have direct oh experience. I was there. He did these crimes. If it hadn't been Canada, he might have been shot or yeah. stabbed, right? So, the fact that this guy is going out right. there. And using some trademark of the Golden Dawn name and his other influence to rape money off people is is something that's bad. And whether you question his behavior currently or not, do we know he's done these horrible crimes and 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 committed like who? How 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 should we think of someone who kicks in a door of a of a mosque or a church or a or a synagogue or any a Wiccan frickin' circle? Right. And then like disrupts a ceremony that is a neophyte initiation. This is some other people's first time experiencing something ceremonial and beautiful and historical. And that happens. This is not a good human being. This is a sick, sick human being. Right. Right. Like of a different uh, a category apart from from the rest of us who just have warts and flaws and sins and we all fuck up here and there. But this is not a fuck up. This was someone saying, I'm going to take my time, energy and exert my will to do as much damage to as many people's lives in, in this vicinity as possible. That's very different then, you know, with, well, uh, that's, that's, and if he didn't say that to himself, that's even worse. Cause you know, that's ignorance of who you are then. It's on par with like, uh, you know, ejaculating into a group cup and then serving it to your membership. There's a reason. Right. Yeah. That, that Voldemort and Gargamel are Voldemort and Gargamel. And let's, let's have the record be clear. Right. We can, we were there. We can testify to this. Yeah. Yeah. They are reflections. These people do exist. People will use good things. Uh, just you know, the Catholic Church has has a huge pedophile problem. These these human organizations, no matter from Greenpeace yeah. to governments to corporations to there's a huge 
power struggle going on in the pagan world in California through in the Church of All Worlds in Anaphim. Massive power struggle. I know a lot of the details. Oh, we're wow. talking about like, you know, similar stuff to, that I've experienced in the Golden Dawn world, forging signatures on board of directors and, and like even down where I was just the last 14 months at ISIS Oasis, they got some bad people in there that are, you know, doing very illegal things. And this is this is something I've seen yeah. in all spheres of life, including the Anglican Church that I was trained as a priest in, and and everywhere I've gone. I that's the, that's one of the reasons I don't mind. I think one of the reasons that sort of pushed me back into uh, a bit more public spheres in the Golden Dawn world is because I realized I'd went through enough other spheres of life to realize that this is a human problem. Mm-hmm. It has it's not specific to spirituality or the mysteries. And you shouldn't give up on the right. mysteries or spirituality or magic because there's humans involved. Right. Yeah. Right. And we're not even going to talk about. The yeah. You know, it took me a, a long time to. We're not even going to talk about the crazy shit I saw in the music. Because that's already that that you don't need to tell people that yeah. there's crazy shit in the music world. <laughs> right. <laughs> For do you sure. know the quote? Do you know the? Um, have you heard the quote? Yeah. Well, it, have, you, have you heard the famous quote? The music business is a, a shallow money trench, a cruel, long plastic hallway where pimps and thieves roam free, and good men die by the dozens. It also has a negative side. <laughs> I, I swear I've heard that before, but I, I can't recall it. Yeah, it's a good one. Well, no, no one said that. It's attributed to Hunter. Yeah, that's. Amazing. I love that. That's great. And sadly, that's great. It, it's so true, right? So you know, okay. After being in the music world, hardcore, yeah. I realized that the rest, the other spheres of human, mm-hmm. we, they got nothing on that. The Golden Dawn world or the magical occult world has nothing on the music business, bro. Nothing. Yeah. I, I I can't even imagine. Like there was a time, you know, and and I I know we're uh, diverging from where we want to be, and I'll I'll stop right after this. But you know, last year, and I haven't done anything with it, but there is a serious urge to find some way to get involved with um, bringing more child trafficking to light. Um, and, you know, especially because of Epstein, you know, like that was one of the things that was a, a call to, to action. Um, but me and the wife, after we did just scratching the surface kind of research, that shit is scary, man. Like as soon as you, even if you're just a researcher, you know, you already immediately have a target on your back, you know, and, uh, I, I don't want to be a, a punk about it, like I said, but I do want to be intelligent, and and we still intend to uh, make inroads into actually changing things as as much as we can, you know. Um, but that's neither here nor there. I'm not going for political office or anything like that, so I will <laughs> drop that subject. You know, but but let's I'd vote for you. I'd vote let's for talk you. of other things. I'd vote for you. I would vote for you before, I, <laughs> before I'd vote for Kanye. Isn't that praise? I would vote for you over Kanye. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I uh, listened to only about an hour of the, the Rogan interview that he did. Um, he is an interesting guy. You know, I, I, to say the least. I well, both of them are, but I wasn't. I couldn't really decide. I still can't really decide if he's a genius or just has low IQ. 
Right. Right. Yes, that's that's the interesting part. Like, you know, I I, I want to figure it out, and that's what keeps me guessing. And I don't know if, if that's the genius. It was the same thing in, in my mind when W was in office. I couldn't tell if he was a moron or a robot, you know, like because he would say something the wrong way. And it's like, ah, somebody, you know, people flood that up all the time. And then he would say another thing, and it's not just that he said something wrong, because, you know, if you – I don't know how much you, you know about American politics, and the less you know, the better, you know, but Dan Quayle was an idiot when it came to talking too, but he wasn't a robot. You know, there have been things that, that George W. Bush has said where it's like, what the hell were you thinking? Like, you weren't thinking. Like, this is just programming, you know? And I wonder the same thing about Kanye. It's like, are, are you a genius or am I a moron? <laughs> Yeah, you know, I don't know as much about politics as a lot of, as most people, I think, because, and partly that's due to like it's illegal for clergy to talk about politics in Canada. Uh, it, it used to be in the states, but but oh, okay, Trump actually is the one who repealed that law uh, in the states, allowing ministers and clergy to talk about politics publicly. In Canada, it's still illegal; um, it's not allowed. And as a result, being in seminary from age twenty, huh. I, I was in seminary from age twenty, and uh, as a result, you just don't pay as much attention to it because I was, you know, at 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 the at St. Right. Augustine's Anglican Church every Sunday, a part of the Eucharist and the, mm. and the Mass, and and sometimes the one I was get sometimes I was the one giving this, the homily, and so I was talking to people who were of all spectrums, right? Right, and I was talking to rich people and homeless people in the same okay. audience. Now, I did do an amazing series of, of sermons on the evils of, and sinfulness of golf courses, which you should definitely hear sometime. You have a spare hour and a half. Yeah. 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 It's, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Um, people thought it was funny, though, so, that, so I got away with it because, you know, if you, if you make them laugh at the same time. <laughs> That's outstanding. Right? Hey, I was well-trained, bro. You can, say, you can say almost anything. There's, yeah, there's something to going through Golden Dawn education and then adepthood and hierophant and all these officer roles while doing seminary from six a.m. to six p.m. every day for six seven years. That's like a, that's a double whammy of education on how to pre- right. present spiritual ideas or ethical quandaries in a way that is received by a wide range of people. Cause you know, anyone can walk through the, the doors of the temple to become a neophyte, right? We don't ask their politics. Mm. Do we like, right. We don't ask actually any right. questions on, on that sort of ethical or moral basis. Right. We observe them. We observe them. There's definitely a morality to magical work, Right. Hmm. Um, yeah, you know, it's funny that you, you bring that up because that's another thing that I've been thinking about a lot lately. And it's, you know, it's that question of, you know, think about in the neophyte itself. And, and I've, I've thought about this ad nauseum, um, where we're taught about how, um, no one will go through this work who has not the natural virtues to be their throne. Right. Um, That's, and that right and yet, there is moral philosophy. Right. That's right. Philosophy. But, but then, you know, there's, there's, there are, 
black magicians who can efficaciously work magic. Um, and so it, it makes one wonder exactly what that phrasing means, you know, in the neophyte, I mean. Oh, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what it means. Is certain most true. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm open. With, without doubt, that which is above is like that which is below. Uh, <laughs> um, no, I, uh, I, yes. I can't tell you what that. Oh means. yeah, I think I think I think it's really important that I can't tell you what that means. That has the virtues to be their throne because that mm. really speaks to right. the individual's confrontation with their own higher genius, right? Absolutely. Like okay. That is where the I like it. Mystical. And that's where theurgy, I think, comes in because you do have yeah. to change and mm. refine yourself through the alchemical fires of the, of the, of the lesser circulation of the outer order mm. grades, the lesser mysteries that purify those base elements in ourselves. Right. Um, that's, that's right. the whole work. Um, sure, there's a debate about whether or not orders should judge people's alchemical development versus just having them pass the test. Like Frater Yeshi would be like, if you got the, the intellectual knowledge and pass the test, you get to go in the next grade. This is not an order that judges people's souls. It's an order that teaches them material and then gives them the next ceremony, right? And then you have orders like like well, like, then- like Hamzi was. We were very much an order that would gauge people's uh-huh. spiritual development through the grades. We would recommend, even if someone could pass a test, we would sometimes say, I think you might want to stay in this grade another three months. We would make those discernments. And that's not in and of itself a bad thing. Is it, is mm-hmm. it against the tradition? Maybe. But again, the tradition changes. Or unless it be, uh, otherwise it becomes dogmatic. And Zaleski, Zaleski is very much into the alchemical developments of the candidate. And, and he's looking, he actually right. looks for specific clairvoyant observations you have to make. And if you don't make the correct clairvoyant observation, mm-hmm. Zaleski will have you redo your your research and the paper it's based on. Right. Right. I, I mean, you know this because you um, studied with You them. know, the, the fact of the – yeah, the, and, and the simple fact of the matter is, you know, I, I don't know Yeshi personally, but, you know, I'd ask him if he'd read the five – like, not even gone through it, but did you read the five, six? And we don't even need to talk about the the whatever you might call the point of initiation. Let's just talk about the first half hour, you know. And and don't get me wrong, people's ethics are subjective, and that's good, you know. Um, but at the same time, you know, like I used to think, especially like that that quote in the neophyte about the natural virtues being their throne. I used to think, you know, like does this mean that I have to lead a moral and ethical life to practice magic? And that's not what it means in the sense of if you don't lead a moral and and ethical life, you cannot practice magic. What it means is, is it, it, to where I'm at and you know what I'm thinking about it right now. What it means is is you're not looking at what morals and ethics are for you, you know, and you need to figure like you said, you need to have an honest conversation with your genius and you know like before you realize that it's your genius with yourself, saying, you know, why is it that. I should lead a moral life. It's not anything to do with there being some kind of value on morality. It's leading the most efficacious life. You know, I, I, I have been, uh, 
I, I lose the words here because, you know, like this is something that I'm really passionate about right now. And that is that, you know, like morals absolutely matter and they don't matter at all. And the fact of the, the matter for me is that it matters because, you know, take for instance, um, if you ever go to a Vipassana retreat and, you know, you're asked to remain silent you know, one of the things that you learn is you remain, there's no value in silence inherently of itself. Um, the value is you don't break the moral precept of lying, you know, and why is lying a bad thing then, you know, and lying is a bad thing because one, you're losing integrity for yourself, you know, because if you can't tell the truth to somebody else, you can certainly lie to yourself more easily. You know, but the other thing is, is that, you know, it just, if I can't communicate with you openly, then, you know, there are certain things that won't be revealed to you or vice versa. If, if I can't be open and honest with you about how I feel about a certain thing, then there are certain things that are just going to remain hidden, you know? Yeah. And it's the same thing like when, when neophytes ask about, well, why do I have to keep this secret? You know, like everybody knows that this is published material. Why, why can't I talk to my friends about the magic I'm doing? And, you know, it's like, well, meditate on it. Why can't you talk about that? You know, there's a million and two reasons I could give you, but they're going to be meaningless. I could tell you that if you talk about it, you're just fluffing up your ego and that does nothing for anyone. I could tell you that talking about it will break the hermetic seal of, you know, the, the strength your magic has. But that's going to be meaningless until you have that conversation with yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I think you put that well. There's something about there's something transformative that happens when we have moments that define us ethically, right? And there's consequences. And I, I, mm, we're, mm-hmm. departing, we're departing from morality here because the two really, morals and ethics are very different. And again, I did write a book on that for those listening. You can check it out. Yeah, for sure. Um, but mainly, well, actually what that book is, and I can't say that to academics, it's a, it's, but it's a, it's a theological and philosophical argument for essentially initiation as an ethical basis for our lives. And I can't say that in the book, of course, though I did slip in the word hermetic like twice in, in a little section, but you can't talk about that stuff in, in, in academic. <laughs> but I, but I, I used good, good, good philosophy and theology and it was an exercise of logic. The book is an exercise of logic. So that's why it holds true to this day for me, even though I'm a very mm-hmm. different person than I am when I wrote it. Because logic doesn't change, right? And right. I did it. I did it right then, so it holds true now. And actually, the book right. is timely now. The book is actually when I wrote it, the issues I was addressing in it didn't would not have they wouldn't they wouldn't have read for anyone except for the academics who looked at it and were like, "Oh, so you're fucking brilliant." And I was like, "Yeah." They're like, "You shouldn't submit this now. Submit this for your PhD and just breeze through." I'm like, "No, I've already started a PhD with Nicholas on Evelyn Underhill and heresy and hermeticism. I'm going to do that. I want to research actual paper, ah. not just sit there thinking in my head logically about philosophy, theology, and the meaning of existence, right?" And they're like, "Okay, that's cool. Good for you." Cuz you know, they knew I was right. funding and stuff like that. But 
Yeah. The, the essential exercise is transformative when you, when you establish your ethical basis of self, which is done by several ways I talk about in the book, I mean, uh, ultimately culminating in, in an act of spirit, essentially transfiguring us and defining us by that ethical act. And that act becomes an event. And that event then defines us. As, defines us. And that's what initiation is. And I use the theological mm -hmm. uh, liturgical metaphor of epiclesis, which is the liturgical term for when the spirit goes through the priest and transforms the bread and wine into the body and blood. Because what more pure magical mm -hmm. is there in the high mass, in the sacrifice of the mass? That is the most magical moment. Right. And whether Brian Murarescu and his immortality key are correct that it comes from the Eleusinian mysteries, or whether Chris Bennett is correct, more likely that it goes back to Soma and the Vedic mysteries, and also Egypt and all throughout the ancient Near East and, and Asia, that's more likely correct. But either way, you have this central ritual that is the magical act of transformation of yourself through this this consuming of a of a beverage right and mm -hmm. that's the metaphor i use to describe the transformation that occurs initiatically in us when we go through an initiation and take a vow because that is transforming you and it has moral consequences because our vows include some very strict moral guidelines that people sometimes don't realize. Most people don't believe me yeah. when I tell them I've never done any black magic. I've never done any even slightly gray magic where I'm doing even good magic for someone without their knowledge or permission. People are always, in this day and age, especially of demonolatry and all this other, you know, I love the occult revolution. I love that people are doing everything and anything and putting out a million books on it and doing every podcast. I love that. That's great. Like, go crazy with it. This stuff's been suppressed for way too long. Um, this is human spirituality. This is our fucking right. heritage, right? This is ecstatic human heritage and it should be expressed to its its full right. transformative effect on human lives and therefore society and so in that initiatic moment we right. transfigure ourselves through an ethical decision there's a determination that we make um when we take those vows so we take vows to never practice any form of black or even really gray magic right 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 i mean we all took the same vows here. Absolutely. So we also take vows where we don't disparage other people. What's sacred. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, if, if we know, if I know that something is sacred to a person in front of me, right. I don't shit on it. Just like I don't shit ever on the Holy spirit, because that according to the Bible is the only unforgivable sin is to take only take right. piss out of the Holy spirit. I mean, the Bible says a lot of things. Most people don't realize. Did you know that the Bible also says there's no forgiveness for sin after baptism? <laughs> oh, wow. I did like not know apples? that. How do you like them apples? That is why. That passage is why. <laughs> that's, why that's why Emperor Constantine got baptized only on his deathbed. It's not, huh. he did, people, people all, everyone says he got baptized on his deathbed because he wanted to be like, well, I'm actually a pagan. I instituted Christianity in the known world for political power, but just in case I'm wrong, I'm going to get baptized. No, he got baptized on his deathbed so that he wouldn't accrue a single sin before he died. And that's right. right. Wow. Yeah. So for all of you uh, Lutherans or evangelical sola scriptura types out there, <laughs> you're fucked. The grace walk, 
the idea that you're automatically forgiven for all <laughs> baptism is right out the window if you're a sola scriptura believer, which is most Western Christians these days, right? But if you, you know, that's why you need the tradition. Uh, oh. You need the tradition, which grows and changes, um, sometimes for the worst, to regulate what is useful to the spiritual lives of the people in our time and place. Like, and for an example, what I mean by sometimes grows for the worse, well, we used to have female priests and apostles, and, and, and the apostles and priests used to have wives and families. That got wiped out. That's a shame, because that really is causing a lot right. of problems, and probably, yeah. uh, probably a major cause on the rise of pedophilia in the church. I think we should do some right, serious for sure. magic. Magicians um, do some serious magic right now to uncover and help unveil some of that shit that's going on. Because I really do think the whole pizza thing is real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Even if that's not, there's so much evidence for for so many cases that are. You know, it's it's just it's beyond. You know what? I'm going to get off that soapbox because, like I said, that's that's a an avenue that's far too deep and far too dark right now. Yeah, I agree. But we, we'll take this moment of transition to cut to one of our advertisers. Ready? Okay. Thanks for listening. This has been the Magic Without Fears podcast featuring Augustine. How do you say your name? Augustine? Augustine. Yeah. Augustine Reyes. Our special today is supported by Adrenochrome. Go to our website for a two-for-one sale now on Adrenochrome. It puts the yummy in your day. Okay, back to the podcast, brother. <laughs> we, we, we bookended that well, I'd say. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> That's outstanding. Uh, what can I say, man? I'm from Vancouver. <sighs> fucked up senses of humor. If uh, my, my fellow Vancouverites, Seth Rogen and Ryan Reynolds, are any good examples of it. <laughs> so, uh, okay, since we're... Um, Diverging for just a split second. Are you familiar with the show Letterkenny? Yeah, it's Canadian, right? It is Canadian. Yeah. It is my wife and I, it is our favorite show, um, bar none. You know, like it's mindless TV. I don't mind not minding. I, I tried to, I couldn't get through the first episode, but I also couldn't even get through the a single uh, episode of Trailer Park Boys, even though, like, I met them a bunch of times. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm more I'm more a Schitt's Creek sort of guy. Okay, okay. Yeah. I have not watched that one yet, but that is on the radar. Oh, it puts the rest to shame. Are you there? Have I lost you? Yeah, I'm still here. I don't, I don't know what happened. Yeah. Oh, I just said it puts the my, my network might have been sketchy. Yeah. So so where are, ah. we, where are we going from here? Because we touched on a couple things that would be good to get into uh, more. Yeah. Um, well, do you want to talk more theurgy or um, where would you? I, it, it's up to you. You let me know. Um well, yeah, if we want to talk about theurgy, we get into that with initiation, right? Because first you get initiated, right. and then you start doing the practices. And mm-hmm. when you take those vows, and there's all these things you vow, the vows are moral restrictions to a very large extent, right? Like the fact that right. once you, you take this path, you can never do these forms of magic. Most people mm-hmm. would never do that these days. They would right. never do that. 
So, and I was talking with, with some other practitioners just the past couple of days and some students of mine about, we were talking about magical attack. And I, I said, to, mm. said to someone, I can't recall who, have you ever heard of an advanced adept in the Golden Dawn tradition ever complaining about magical attack? I know that I used to, but uh, anymore, no, that's not the case. I wonder, I, you know, I, I wonder, and, and I can do that in a safe place with you because, you know, having worn the mask uh-huh. we've, we've worn, I, I don't know what everyone else listening to this is going to think, but you you know, given having worn the mantle of the Imperator and, you know, having people call you greatly honored mm-hmm. or whatever, um, whether it's, you know, it's earned or thrust upon you or thrust down your throat, as it was in my case at a young age, once, once, yeah. that, once that happens, um, it's not a mark of, of, of greatness. The, none of these things are, I, I used to tell people all the time that the reason it's good for people to even say that they're very honored, which is the mark of an adept, right. In, mm-hmm. in the system, um, mm-hmm. is, is the reason that you should know who those people are is because if you like what very honored means it means that if the toilet needs scrubbing, I'm the one you ask. I'm the first one you ask. If something needs they to scrub it, yep. Yeah. You, the, the adepts are the ones. Someone saw, heard that I spent years living in, a, in Temple Tehuti, and they were like, that must have been great. Like, you saved all this money, not paying rent. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> Especially in Zinc's order, man. <laughs> you think that was the case? No, brother. Damn. Not only did I pay rent and pay for all kinds of shit, I, you know, the reason when uh, my signature was forged by... You paid for his air flights to, to come there? The reason the reason uh, Temple Tootie's uh, bank account is now in someone else, and board of directors is now in someone else's possession who forged my signature, and the money in that account was student loan money of mine, is now in that person, <sighs> rather Yeshi's old buddy's apart, uh, accounts. Like, these things, like, yeah, these people are heinous, man. Um, I was just like, whatever. Yeah. But like these people do these things, yeah. and uh, you know, no living in a temple it was not a way to save money. That was a, that was a it's a costly right. thing. But the point of that, I'm not trying to bitch. I sound like I'm probably whining right now. I'm not at all. I, I very much um, loved living in a temple, but but it's it's a responsibility. Like that's what being an adept is. It's about being willing to be the one to to stay till three a.m. and get up at six a.m. and keep going. I mean, back in the day, you remember you you did work with TDL at at international mm-hmm. events in L.A., right? Oh yeah, yeah. Did you did you ever you, you yeah oh yeah? Did you spend time in Puyallup? I did. I did. Um, it, so you've been through. It the wasn't shit. significant time, like uh, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's the trenches, baby. And how how many days did you only yeah. fifteen minutes sleep at those week long events that we did? As oh man! Like hundred hundred and fifty people would fly to Temple Tehuti for the annual events for a week, and I would make sure that none of them had to pay for a hotel right. room unless they they wanted to. I remember once I drove from Vancouver to Seattle to right. pick them up right. from the airport. I couldn't find them, couldn't reach them, drove back to oh, Vancouver, wow. got a message in Vancouver and the asking machine, found out where they were in the airport, drove back down that same night and waited and looked for them uh, two, two hours to find them. So, like, you know, that was my 10 p.m. till 4 a.m. And I was 
I was, I had to run a healing ceremony at 7 a.m. <laughs> and that's just how it is. That's, that's what these titles right. mean. People need to know yeah. that these titles and these mantles, these are, these are levels of responsibility and commitment that you make. And that's a moral obligation you have to everyone around you. Right. And it, you have to transform yourself and purify yeah. yourself with the work that we do with the, it's God work. It's theurgy. You have to use those skills and rituals to make yourself into someone who can handle it. Or the system will spit you out. So there are two things that come to mind when you say that, you know, and that is that one, there's like you just said, there's a recognition that happens when I was given the title of honored and then very honored as you do in the order. Um, There was a recognition of it is my honor to be able to serve more. You know, I seek to learn so that I may serve. And I now have the honor to actually serve people who walk through that door. The other thing that goes through your mind, you know, and, and for, I I tell this to, to students, to friends, to anybody who'll listen to me, you know, if you decide, you know, that you want to be the embodiment of your genius, or if you want to be a God, you know, like, uh, what's that guy? I forget his name. E, whatever the hell, E.A. Coetting, you know, become a living God. What you have to realize is if you're going to be a living God, you're going to be in service to a lot of people. You know, that's what that means. It doesn't mean that, you know, I get to snap my fingers and, and lead a life for luxury. It means that you're putting in the hours to serve people. You know, because if your God doesn't serve you, what, you know, why are you praying to it? Good point. And I mean that in the most money serving you, it's not your God. I I missed the beginning of what you said, but I I can construe it. If, yeah, if your God doesn't serve you, it's not your God. That's that's an interesting one theologically. Yeah, like theologically, that's. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a reciprocity. I mean, but but and even Jesus it talks about the service as a reciprocity. What you hold true on earth, I'll hold true in heaven. That's a very as above mm-hmm. as well. You know, my favorite translation of the Bible, actually, and that's partly I'm saying that because I don't like any translations, and I can smugly say <laughs> that I fucking learned how to read it in the original languages. Um, that was why I went to seminary oh, in, the, in the beginning, right? Oh, yeah. Like, I, I also was in the yeah. only seminary class at Vancouver School of Theology that actually had Aramaic, biblical Aramaic. And our teacher arranged, wow. a, arranged a screening of the Passion of the Christ because it had just come out during that course where we went and saw it without subtitles, and we understood it. It was really impressive how easy a language it is to learn. So I say this not to toot my own horn, but to let people know Mm. Hebrew and Aramaic, especially the biblical varieties, are not difficult languages to learn. Go learn them. Mm. Learning the Hebrew letters. Learn the language. Seriously, if we... it would be so easy for members to keep learning Hebrew throughout the five to seven years from Neophyte to Hierophant. Mm-hmm. It's so easy for us to, we just need to do it or put people in, in the local biblical theology uh, Hebrew course at the local seminary or university or whatever, put them through that while they're going through, uh, I don't know, the, the subgrades of five, six or whatever it is, or portal. Portal would be a great time to learn actual Hebrew. But <laughs> as far as translations goes, the Message Bible, Bono loves it, um, trans, translated by a professor of mine, Eugene Peterson, 
And in his version, he, he does a colloquial translation. I don't know if you've seen the Message Bible, but it, he translates from the... I haven't, no. He translates the... He, it took him his whole career. He's retired now. I was lucky to have him as a professor. Um, he wasn't at my seminary, but he was at the next door neighbor one, which was for conservatives. Like their teachers, uh-huh. their teachers taught us, but our teachers couldn't teach them because they wouldn't sign. <laughs> we wouldn't sign a, they, our teachers wouldn't sign a statement of confession condemning homosexuality. Uh-huh. So we, oh, our, okay, that's awesome. Our, our teachers were superior mostly to theirs because we were the older, the older college. But so our teachers couldn't teach them, but they could teach us. And so I got to learn from some of these more conservative professors, which is great, actually, because they, the conservative school could afford more expensive professors. And he translates the Lord's Prayer in the New Testament so differently from anything you've ever seen. But what struck me the most, obviously, was instead of saying, as it is in heaven, so shall it be on earth, what he says in that, and you see this, actually, you've seen this in my book. Um, he says, as above, so below. That's how he translates what Jesus said, as above, so below. So this this biblical theologian had knowledge of the Emerald Tablet sufficiently to be aware that when he was translating Jesus' Lord's Prayer, he's like, yeah, there's some Gnostic thought for you. Yeah, absolutely. So this is a very, very old idea. and it, Well, and, it, and I mean, you know, like if, if you just take that in and of itself – Sorry, go ahead. No, no, you go. Okay, you know, so like that's one of those things that, again, you know, it's like the further up the grades you go, the the more contemplation and the more um, inner work it is, in my opinion. And and I believe that that's shared by a lot of people. And, and I spent a lot of time with that prayer and, you know, clearly not as much as some, but enough to say, you know, the, the – the fullness, fullness of expression in the Lord's Prayer is like when it's when it's read properly, it's no different in in my mind than say the Emerald Tablet, you know, or or anything like it. You know, there's a certain non-dual state that can be reached through reading that. Um, and I'm sure I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Um, but, you know, you take the, the idea of our, just, just the first two words of our father, you know, it's, who is this hour we're speaking of, you know, Mm. and that, that in and of itself, like, like there are states, there are times where, and I'm, I'm sure you've had them through ritual where you come out and, the inside is literally the outside. Like what you're seeing outside of yourself is what you're seeing inside of yourself. And, and our father is like, that's, it's, uh, it's ineffable. This is why they call these things ineffable and and mysteries. Um, But, but yeah, that, that notion of, um, you know, uh, Oh, hold on. Give me just a second. No, I, Um, I love it. When you say on earth as it is in heaven, like that, like if if you watch how that happens in your mind when you're saying it, you know, like and and I'll say I'll speak for myself clearly because you know people might not have seen it happen this way with mental images, but on earth as it is in heaven unfolds like the rose on the cross itself, you know, um, that's 
that's what's happening. It's that realization of, like I, I just said a second ago, if your God doesn't serve you, it's not your God. If you are living in a, a bad situation or in a bad way, then, you know, it's, it's because you're not recognizing the, the will of what's happening, you know? Um, I tend to tell students of mine, and mind you, I don't mean to, to get on a kick here of, you know, you're doing this wrong or somebody's doing that wrong, but you know, it's, um, that's how it's unfolded for me. Um, and what I can absolutely say with certainty is that, you know, it's like, it, it also comes back to that notion of, I'll only make a mistake so long as I don't understand what I'm doing. As soon as I understand what's happening, you know, like, again, when we talk about material manifestation, magic, that kind of stuff, you know, things are manifesting only as you understand them to manifest. Like that's just, just watch your distillation train and alchemy, you know, like watch the, uh, the the dissolution and the recombination of things, you know, that's another reason for secrecy. This is the kind of secrecy that, you know, you can't help but abide. I can't tell somebody a mystery if they're not ready to understand it yet. And there's no way to, to say whether you're ready or not. You'll just, you'll either understand or you'll get to that next step where you do, you know. That's something Crowley said, right? This, if to tell someone a truth they're not ready to understand is the same thing as to tell them a lie. You just right, quote, yeah, Crowley, absolutely. You just quoted, quoted <laughs> you dirty fellow. Well, you know, I mean, <laughs> nothing is true. Everything is permitted. You did, you did do a little Thelema in your early <laughs> days. What do you think about the star ruby do being Wittershins? Um, little sidebar. I, sidebar. you know, like, yeah, right. For me, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's wonderful for the West. You know, there are few things that I think that will dissolve your reality as quickly as doing that. Uh, again, when I was talking to you about, uh, experiments that we did, you know, during our Sunday work, there were things that we did against the grain, nothing quite like a star ruby in a golden dawn temple, but you know, certain other things that, that would make uh, adepts definitely of the old EOGD or the Homsi order blush, you know, and, and I'm happy to talk about that offline, but um, do you know, what's funny, you know, there, there are certain things that, like just do. Yeah, absolutely. There's a little delay there. You can tell it. Hey, I, I noticed when I say something, it takes a sec, a few seconds for it to morph through mm. the ether. Because obviously, scientifically, we know that there's ether in between you and me and all <laughs> things, right? That ether is a very real phlogistonic mm. substance, right? I mean, even Einstein loved ether. No, I'm fucking around. I'm joking. There's no ether, folks. Right. No ether. Things are, things are much more complicated than we ever imagined. We ever imagined. Things are way more complicated. Like even when I was doing the Steiner piece earlier, Rudolf Steiner's thing is like most people would tend to say that they are a spirit, not matter. I was like, well, today that would be the opposite. Most people would be like, I'm made of organic matter. Reality's organic matter. There's no spirit. Right. But in Steiner's right. day in, in Christianity, in the, in Christendom, in, you know, like you notice the book you're reading of mine says post-religious world. 
when I went into seminary, they were very clear from the day one. They're like, look, this is a post-religious world, and probably the best thing to happen to Christianity would for it to become a marginalized religion again. Then it might get back some of its mysticism and spiritual. <laughs> That's that outstanding. Like, from day one, they're like, and they're like, by the way, we've been saying this in seminary since the 60s. It just takes a while <laughs> to filter down to public knowledge. So... <laughs> That's um, that same ether that you were talking about, right? The, yeah. the, that's the cause of the pause. Yeah, yeah. So I, 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 <laughs> I, I, I tangented into my Steiner reference, but now I forgot what I was going to say. So that's like you, you were going to maybe ask me about uh, the the experiments and the the blushing. Yeah, I want to hear more about that for sure. Okay. Um. So, you know, I'll, I'll do it like this so I don't feel like I'm calling anybody out, you know. Um, but there was one frater, and this wasn't done in the temple proper just because, again, um, nobody felt comfortable with it, okay? But there was one frater who decided that, you know, I know how this current feels going clockwise, but what I want to do is I want to do a rose cross and I want to do it going counterclockwise and inverted. And I wasn't going to stop. Again, you're not going to do that in the temple, right? But you can't do counterclockwise in the temple except under like two exact situations. Right. You know, so, but if you want to do that out here in the foyer, then I'll go get the holy water ready, you know, and we'll get prepared, but let's put the lab coat on, you know, and, and I'll tell you, this is, uh, this was done in the sense or in the way where as, as soon as we did it, and it's the same thing with the star Ruby, like you, you can feel, and it could be the, the fight against, Western culture, you know, like all of this inundation of the invisible things that are around us. I'm not sure why this happens, but I can tell you unequivocally, if you start drawing inverted crosses, at least to begin with, you, you might get to a point where you're comfortable with it because you have opened that portion of your serious sensation, but that's another topic for another time. But if you start drawing inverted crosses in a counterclockwise way, you're going to feel really, really strange, really, really quick, you know, and there's good reason. I mean, there's, there's reason for that. Um, so that's one example, you know, it's very, it's very, I mean, it's dark, it's dark, right? Like, yeah, I've never actually talked with, I, and I've talked to, I've, I've worked with a bunch of AA Argentine astrum adepts especially in Belfast, mm-hmm. in Northern Ireland. And, uh, you know, none, I, 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 we, would, we would go at each other on this stuff, and they never could really they, – they, they admitted they didn't understand why they were doing that and, and that it was necessarily mm. a good thing. I mean, there's a reason they asked me to start teaching – in their OTO oasis every, cause I was living there with my girlfriend and there's a reason they started to ask me to mm-hmm. start teaching ritual classes to their membership. Um, cause they wanted the golden yeah. on training for their OTO members. And they were aware that the training is not there in the OTO. It's only there in the AA. And they felt themselves right. they could learn something from me. Though the adepts didn't sit in the AA adepts didn't sit in, in any of their classes I gave 
or ritual work I did, but their, their OTO members did, um, which I found very, like to me that you can imagine I went from being an imperator of a golden Dawn temple and, and sadly having to turn down well over a hundred Thelemites in the, in my seven years there. Right. I had to turn down all these points uh-huh. and here I am right. OTO Oasis being shown respect, honor, and privilege and asked to teach people that I had been turning down for years due to their religion, which is explicitly against our vow to not be biased against a religion or hold people from initiation because of their religion. But I think the problem that Golden Dawn faced back then was we didn't really understand, like Lon Milo Duquette has now made very clear, that Thelema is a religion. It's not a, the OTO is not a mm-hmm. magical training college like the Golden Dawn is. Right. Right. And so had we known that and had we not had Voldemort as the head of our order, we might have actually gotten a huge bolstering of membership. We probably would never have died. We would have gotten too big to fail if we had let let right. and OTO members in to learn the kind of hardcore magic we were practicing. Because to this yeah. day, I've never met people more hardcore than Golden Dawn trained magicians. And I was talking with one of Frater Yeshi's X7 equals four guys. We're talking about a guy who actually went through the six, five and the seven, four initiations, right? Like only oh, yeah. happened under Yeshi, I believe. And, uh, and that's, that's heavy. I wish our order had done those initiations. Yeah. We consider ourselves more traditionalist alpha and omega. Everyone's five, six, and we're all equal sort of more or less other than yeah. the formalities of having honorary grades. And then of course there was the true alchemical grade, which is between you, your higher genius and the chiefs of the order. So we, we, we sort of were amorphous and complicated in how we handled that stuff. Everything beyond five equals six. Plus we didn't get the, the five equals six material in my day subdivided into grades. They just put it all together and said, whack, here's your whole five equals six thing. Do it all over the next five to 10 years. It might. Have, I think. I think it was. So you, I had to spend. Uh, wasn't it your temple, Temple Ptah, that actually divided the material into the subgrades of five equals six? Because I saw them when I was in at at Isis right, Urania yeah. in England. Um, at Isis Urania just last year, I was. I got to see them subdivided, and I was like, "Oh, that's so cool to see them subdivided." Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I remember, you know, the, the night after my initiation that, uh, myself and the sore who was also initiated into the inner, you know, we spent that whole night just printing that giant, massive brick of paper. That was all of the, the grade material, except what Robert kept, sorry, Voldemort kept as, you know, carrots for when he wanted to take something out of it and say, oh, well, I'll give you this if you do this for me, as you know, he was rather want to do. <laughs> wait, wait, I have to bleep out the name you just said. Ready? Bleep. Okay. That's how bleeping is. <laughs> I, I, I am an adept of bleeping. Did I bleep it right? How, how about this? Bleep. Bleep. I think you, you try. You do a bleep. <laughs> you do a bleep. Bleep. Okay, yeah, it's gone. It's gone. No one knows All the right. thing you just said. Okay, moving on. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's fine. Um, yeah. So no, I'm. I'm and and again, uh, that came from that whole idea at the same time in February of 2011. You know, we're saying 
look, we can do this differently. We can actually have subgrades now. We can actually write, you know, uh, uh, an actual six-five grade uh, initiation. Um, you know, nobody was thinking about writing a an initiation into the abyss or a seven-four. You know, whether or not one would even do the the abyss right, because um, that's a Crowley thing too. But um, or so I'm told. I don't know. It, it's sort but, of. I think it is a Crowley thing, but I think he did it wrong. <laughs> okay. <laughs> only That's Crowley, fair. That's only fair. Crowley could do his own ritual wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, what I mean by that, let me clarify what I mean to that to all my, my beautiful OTO and Thelemic and AA brethren out there. I love all you guys. You're, you're the best. Keep, keep up the, the good. The Likewise. Good I wouldn't call it the great work. We'll call it the good work. OTO is the good work. Golden Dawn is the good work. <laughs> I'm joking. It's just a joke, people. I'm joking. Okay. But, like, you know, here's the idea. The idea is uh, – shit, am I going to forget the idea? Fuck, what was the idea? Dude, there's, there's no booze up here. How Crowley did his own ritual wrong? But I swear they pump marijuana into the environment in Canada now. They're just like they're just putting it in the factory uh, furnaces and pumping weed into the air in Canada. To like we're all fingerprint. As soon as I got back to Canada on the on Equinox September twenty first, they uh, I, I've since then I've been fingerprinted, voice analyzed, video call confirmed, bank account attached to the tax revenue services. They have. All that stuff in America you guys are worrying about and, like, concerned about in Canada, it's just done. They slipped it in. Mm-hmm. just slipped right in there while we were all busy taking our, our, our COVID money. So I came back to Canada, and, like, we're all on record. They know where <laughs> I am, what I'm spending my money on, who I'm talking. They know everything all the time. And no one complained up here because why? When we need a CAT scan or have a broken bone or get cancer, we don't pay a penny. And therefore... No one right. cares the fact that the government has knows everything about us now. Isn't that a difference in culture? It fascinates me. Man, you know, well, and like I told you uh, in in Messenger, it's one of the reasons why. And 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 I don't mean the the voice analysis and the recording, but you know the <laughs> just the the simple fact of universal health care. You know, when the wife and I were talking about this. It, it, it seems a no-brainer. Like Canada is the next move for us, you know. The problem um, is you. Then we, we might inch our way up there. Well, you're welcome here anytime. What's that? You, you, you're welcome anytime. I'll get you in. You just got to divorce your wife. Then I'll marry one of you at a time. It'll be good. <laughs> I, I can make it happen. Sure, love that. And then yeah, you, you, I and like I, it. you and I can then open the temple of of Harpocrates together. There it is. I and love it. It'll be a sign language only temple. Like <laughs> it's going to be like like Menzo Berenson sign language. Oh man! Well, what the hell was I looking at? There was there was something I was looking at that was using ASL, and it seemed like it was for the most ridiculous. Damn! I can't. Never mind. I can't think of it. I have to show you, uh, you know how the, the, the fingers work with the elements and hand magic and all that? I have to show you the new system I mm-hmm. developed over yeah. the last 15 years since Temple Tehuti. I developed a whole new system. I think you're going to love it. I yeah. need to you that. I also want to talk to you about some other stuff like Ritual of Four Servants and some stuff we can't get into on the podcast. I shouldn't have even said that out loud. Ah. But what can I say? I'm stoned. Sure. 
I haven't smoked any weed today, but I'm stoned because I'm in Canada. <laughs> Actually, it could just be the mountain air and the fact that I get up. Because it's in the air. Sunrise. I'm up before sunrise every day, and I'm not even doing the Abramelin ritual. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> well, here's a, here's a fun fact that I – this is what I forgot earlier. Remember I said I went on a tangent and then I forgot? Well, Aquarians always return to their tangents. And – you, you mentioned EOGD, which for most people means Esoteric Order of the Golden Dawn, which is Voldemort's money scam order mm. that has caught a few people that then found me and, and have moved on to better orders since then. Because he still has a presence, so he's still scalping people for money, right? But here's what's funny, bro. You guys keep saying EOGD, but to me, that means something very different. Because when I joined in the 90s, uh, the trademark war was just happening. So I joined the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, but shortly thereafter, it became <sighs> the, shortly thereafter, I joined the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. I was seeing the flyers from 93 to 95. And then I, then I was initiated in 96. But then after 97, it changed its name due to the Griffin's trademark war with Chick Cicero and all that jazz it changed its name to the Eternal Order of the Golden Dawn. So my Zelator manual said Eternal Order of the Golden Dawn. Oh, okay. So when I hear EOGD, I always think Eternal Order of the Golden Dawn. Isn't that funny? Right. But, but that's not what yeah. people mean. Yeah. And then, then, right, we became, right. then we became the Hermetic Order of the Morning Star, which I thought was a great name. That was a great <laughs> name. The, it, that was yeah. in America, too. In Canada, we stayed Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn the whole time. Oh, Cool. Well, yeah, because you wouldn't have had the trademark issue, right? Right, and we were, right. and, and, and also, given the size of the order because of the open admission policies and the uh, correspondence course, which was remarkable to to allow people to study the grade and fly for their initiation, and they go home, they study the grade, fly for their initiation. That's a beautiful process. Which even Zaleski's order in like uh, Hogan in Texas, they're doing that. I was working with Frater C in in Santa Rosa. And he's with, oh, okay. he's with Hogan. And, you know, actually Hogan, when he found out he was, 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 had met me and was near me said, you know, I was going to fast track you, but actually just work with RC. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. That's it. So apparently my, my, my reputation precedes me, but what's actually remarkable. Yeah. It's no, very flattering. I'm joking about that. What's really weird is that it, that is run <laughs> by Martin, right? These people were trained by Martin, my old roommate and me and Martin. Right will never be on speaking terms again due to my sister. Um, and so what's, it was oh. very strange to be like given blessings from an imperator or a, from a head of an order. Uh, Hogan, Hogan is yeah. the head, essentially the head of a temple or order uh, to work with me. And so, and, but what I, the reason I'm talking about that is because that experience directly led me to reaching out to more orders and old adepts that I knew and adepts who knew adepts I knew. Cause I, you and I have never talked before right. today. And we we didn't message right. before really, but I always lo- I heard your podcast in uh, two three years ago, and I was like, that sounds like someone I want to talk to. I was actually always curious to to yeah. know about the decision to keep Godforms to the inner order. Is that true? Is my memory correct that you restricted Godform practices to the inner order? So we tried doing that. That didn't work, um, and it was uh, if if we could have started completely fresh. Um, it might have worked, but there were too many proctors that we still had, even though it wasn't, you know, like the numbers that we had before uh, uh, 2011. But um, there were too many proctors who were practiced in the old way of teaching. And so what wound up happening was 
hey, Fred, I've got this secret teaching I'm going to give you. We don't do it anymore, but here it is, you know. Um, and and when that happened, it was like, okay, well, you know, there's no use in, in not doing it, and we're not going to change the way the material is published, you know. So it, it stayed in. That that one stayed in. Well, that's it's an interesting one. Like, I just got a message. Remember I told you about uh, the direct T friend, uh, who, who joined Griffin's order by accident. Then, then, then I helped redirect her to, uh, uh, FGDU and, and Dan and Ramsey's. And, uh, she mm, just wrote okay. me the other day. She got into Zelator, um, which is great. Cause you know, it probably, she probably wouldn't have not enjoyed Zelator under, uh, under Gargamel. Apparently he was doing a lot of live stream rants on Chinamen and how yeah. Chinamen are, um, and how the Golden Dawn tradition <laughs> save the world from the Chinamen. Oh my goodness! Um, yeah, the China them China to quote uh, from Ginsburg, them Chinamen, them Chinamen, and them Russians and them Chinamen. That's the that's 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 the <laughs> mentality of this guy we call Gargamel, uh, David Griffin. Uh, People need to avoid David Griffin like the fucking plague. Um, but look, the Chinaman's yeah. not the issue here, dude. Hmm? Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. I was quoting Lebowski there. Oh, I just did. I did a TikTok, a TikTok on Instagram the other day as a as a joke. But then I I addressed it to Xi Jinping and said Ni sure while the arzu, which in Chinese means you're my son, which is how you say in Mandarin or Cantonese. I can't remember. It's when you. That's what you say. Ni sure while the arzu. That means you're my son, and that's how you say in Chinese. I fucked your mom. Oh man! You're my son. <laughs> You're my son. <laughs> Isn't that great? For all you people that want to know how to say that's something hilarious. Funny, if you want to know how to say something funny in Chinese, nishur wa the arzu. And my pronunciation is not good, but it's not nishur wa the arzu. Wa the arzu. Nishur. Nishur. The shur. It's not sure. It's nishur. Nisur wada arzu, and again, I'm not good, but I I I, sure. okay. I say it well enough for, for it to be understood, and I know because I tried that out in the nightclubs of Vancouver, where there's lots of Chinese. <laughs> well, well, Chinese is the majority in Vancouver, which is great because we have the best food. But yeah, whites are a visual minority in Vancouver for for a decade now. Um, it's a very international, hmm. and that's a good thing in my wow. opinion. What's bad is that we let China buy our, all our property, uh, not yeah. let people live in it, artificially inflate our housing markets. <laughs> so my old $1,000 unit uh, rents, rents for $6,500. $1,000 units in the last 10 years are now renting for $6,500, which is – that's China's oof. impact in Vancouver. So it is dangerous. They, they do yeah. not have our best interests in the West in their hearts. But enough of that, enough of global macroeconomics and politics. Um, the, the Brother, uh, let me ask you. I'm sorry. Um, is there a way that we can continue this next week? I, I apologize. I didn't plan well enough, uh, and I need to, to feed my wife. Um, yeah, you. I'm not trying to use her as excuse. Right. Yeah, um, but yeah, I, I would. I, I love our conversation, and I want to keep going. Um, yeah, let's continue it some other time. Um, okay. I'm sorry to end it on this crazy, weird note. I wish we could have ended it on a more uh, theoretical, uh, edifying <laughs> subject. I, I'm not. I'm, I'm actually – I like the, the diversity. It's awesome. Well, let's do, a, let's do a part two for sure. Yeah. I don't know. Okay, outstanding. And, and, you know, I, um, like I told you, 
excluding Monday of next week, if if we want to shoot for next week, just let me know uh, if a day works for you and, and we can do that. And I'll I'll plan better, you know, such that I'll have either made dinner beforehand or uh, figure something else out. Can I ask you one last question before we uh, For sure. So imagine all the meditative practices like meditation one, focus on the point, relaxation. Imagine mm-hmm. that didn't count. Say you had either a full hour or just half an hour for just ritual work, middle pillar, LBRP. What other rituals would you keep had you never had the opportunity to be initiated at all? If you just could do a couple rituals every day, what would those rituals really uh-huh. be? Because this is a question that actually does have a lot of value, I think, to people out there who have no opportunity for order work or who believe that it's better to go it alone and avoid human politicalness in orders altogether. What are those rituals that um, you think have a human value? How far am I allowed to go up? Go all the way if you want. Like, for me, honestly, okay. I would always include a rose cross ritual and analysis of the keyword. Like, that's, that's the mm. gold nugget for me. Like, invisibility plus massive energy invocation, I would never give that up. And I have students who are practicing that even more or less against my advice. Even though I say you should wait till you're in an adept in five, six, have the solar initiation and then invoke that current. But some people say, hey, you can be doing the LVX signs even though you don't have that grade. It's, they say it's different. It doesn't do the same thing that it does for someone who's had the initiation or the, you know, three right. days in the box. But it does have an effect that's alchemically formative and beneficial to your body of light and the initiatory experience. So yeah, with open floodgates of any of the rituals you, you could reference, what would your daily regimen be? Okay. So, um, let's say published rituals. Let's not, I would start. I've been taught that are secrets. Because there are still lots of secret rituals, okay. and we don't need to tell people what those are. Because fuck them, <laughs> right? <laughs> hey, hey there's, so there's, if you think the mystery um, has been all published, you're you're fucking nuts, right? I mean, if if you if you're part of an order that it just has public rituals, you know, then you you need to leave immediately. Uh, nobody's thinking about their work, and that's unfortunate. Um, that being said, though, the published stuff is still great. And I would start with the LBRP, for, if for no other reason than, you know, this is the, the inroads to the vault itself. Um, LBRP, then I would do a middle pillar, um, and and I have a reason for for the order in which I'm doing these things, and and we can talk about that next time if you want, or if, you know whatever the case. But uh, after the middle pillar, we'll be studying. Then we would their do methodology and deconstructing you for years, brother, for years. <laughs> uh, but after that, then we would do the BRH um, with analysis. The BRH has to be. You beat me to it. Yeah, it has to be done with analysis. Um, after that, then we can move into the invisible. And so that's where we would do the Rose Cross. Uh, I would then perform another middle pillar ritual. Um, I'm not sure if it would be threefold or ninefold, you wouldn't but it would be one the, of those two. You wouldn't swap out the MP for the BMP? 
Um, I don't think I would, no. Hmm. Okay, continue. Uh, you know what? Let me think about that. But, but as it stands right now, I, I would say no. So after um, we've done the, uh, the Rose Cross and the next middle pillar, then we will do an opening by Watchtower. Oh, wait. Well, well, that, well no, we can still do that there. Yeah, totally. Um, and then the SIRP. Yeah, you, you would if you were um, only keeping. Sand. And so, you know, it. it... <laughs> What's up? I'm just laughing because no, I I, I, I I missed it. What I interjected and then you you uh, so so you would do the SIRP and the opening by Watchtower if you had only a few rituals that you did every day for the rest of your yeah. life. Wow, that's a lot of that's a lot of juice. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of juice. Yeah. Yeah. And what else would you do? Yeah. Um, so. LBRP, MP. Then after that, then it's all, for me, it, it becomes all. Yeah, so LBRP, BRH, analysis, middle pill, mm-hmm. SIRP, opening by watchtower. No, no, opposite. Opening by watchtower, then SIRP. I, I want to go because at this point I want to go from the outside in um, and because what, the idea is when I'm doing my SIRP, I want to be traveling up Samic, you know, so that I can start talking to – if I was using this formality to talk to my genius, that's how I would do it um, right. because after that, post all of those rituals, then it's just conversation. And next time we'll get into the difference between what you think the genius is or the higher self and the holy guardian angel, because that is a big can of worms. Oh, I can't yeah. wait. Oh, we got to do yes. that tomorrow, son. We got to get on this. We got to do part. <laughs> I think we need to schedule six hours. Absolutely. Okay. So what's the, okay. What's, I'm in. What's the icing on your cake of this daily ritual regimen? Um, what do you do with all that energy after you, the opening by Watchtower and the SIRP are preparation? Oh, oh, I, I'm, I'm right. I, I'm, I totally forgot this part. Uh, I have a modified. Um, what's up? Don't say that you cap it all off with a comfort ritual. <laughs> no, I do not cap it all off with a comfort ritual, but it's uh it might be just as anticlimactic for some people because um I have a modified healing rite that I do. I stole from or not stole from, but I was inspired by a Doctor Strange comic book to take the full moon healing rite and to use it to actually mend the universe now we can talk about what that. that means because you got to send me that the universe here nor there it also okay all right can do yeah yeah so like i'm saying though you know you you get to a point where you realize the universe doesn't need mending it's it's you that need the mending you know Walt Disney in the sense that the magic was in you the whole time, except to say that you still need to feed that energy back to the universe. You know, if I'm going to be of service to anything, I need to be of service to everything. That doesn't necessarily mean roses and smiles and whistles, but, you know, it does mean that I need to give energy to it. Amazing. 
I love that. And I, I'm realizing, of course, at the same time... Yeah, that would be the capstone. If we were actually... I realize this would be totally different if you and I were able to mention unpublished rituals. It would be so different, wouldn't it? Like, seriously. Oh, yeah. But but, but the core... It definitely would be, yes. Yeah, it would definitely be different if we could talk about unpublished rituals. And now everyone's going to be like, oh, what are those? Join an order, do the work, do the training, <laughs> do the time. It's, it's, right. You can't do it solo. Uh, but you can do a lot solo and you can come up with your own rituals solo. So you can do it either way. I'm a fan of the master apprentice model as well as the collegium model. What I wish is that we would all work together and build bridges so that we could like, how cool would it be if we could have a, not even necessarily every year, but an event where like all the reputable golden dawn orders were invited where practitioners could be even thelemic if they wanted and we would all do massive ceremonies and rituals together and and not sit there poo-pooing each other that would be so amazing and i that's the world i'd want to that would be amazing yeah and you know i think we're pushing towards that um it's one of the reasons i haven't accepted invitations to rejoin any second orders is so i can stay independent and unbiased and and i can talk to like you know in a given week i'll talk to 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 frater yeshi uh, you know, and a couple other heads of different orders. I'll talk to Tabby and, and we're all talking and like, we actually have some ideas and those ideas, uh, I think people can talk to me about them because I'm not affiliated. If I was affiliated, though, I'm tempted to, I'm tempted by the Sedalitas. I am. I'm tempted. Mm, yeah. That's, that's neither here nor there. I'm doing my true will. And I, the Celtic mysteries will take up the next five years of my life. We'll talk about that next time. But yeah, so that's really, really great to know. I think people, if they could realize that like an LBRP, the BRH analysis, middle pillar, and then major invocational rituals like the watchtower and the SIRP and then a healing ritual, that could really add a lot to anyone's life. Now, you see, if it was me, I would cap it all off with what I call yeah. the Osirian Eucharist. And I think you know exactly what I mean when I say the Osirian Eucharist. Oh, uh-huh. Right? Like, uh-huh. that would be a way to end that regiment as well, right? You have an modified Dr. Strange version of... Yes, absolutely. Ritual, ...but really the, the four elemental Eucharist done at the end of the Neophyte Initiation, to me, that's the icing on the cake. In fact, the local grocery store that's an hour away from my yeah. mountain. Yeah, I can definitely see that. My mountain cabin here has a grocery store an hour away, but you can only buy a dozen roses. And the fact that I can't buy a single rose, I have to buy 12 roses for 20 bucks to just have one rose for my Osirian Eucharist. Brother, that's painful, man. They don't sell roses here. Anyway. Yeah. Thanks for talking with me. We'll do a part two. It will, we we got to do it soon because we we For sure. Thank you. Get into it. Um, such a pleasure. Yeah. Uh, and for everyone who's listening, the Golden Dawn Collegium Spirit is a, is a beautiful order still doing the work. I noticed that you were active mainly because that directee of mine joined you and posted a, a teaser pic on Instagram where you could barely make out ah. the cover of a neophyte manual. She didn't break her vows, but you could barely make out the cover of a neophyte manual. I was like, right. I recognize that. I think that's grade material. <laughs> I think you're studying grade material that I helped edit in 2002 to 2003. And she's like, I don't think so. And I'm like, let me, let me inquire. And obviously it was true. Right. You know, um, we'll talk more about that next time. I'll tell you about my, my, uh, my three day, 
three days editing sessions of the grade material uh, in the years prior to your joining. Those grade materials were never released. I re-edited as subpremonstrator under TDL the entire corpus of the material you guys know and okay. love. And I also instituted a practice to wow. make sure that all the grade materials would be given out in leather-bound manuals to all the students thereafter. All of that stuff fell apart. Oh, that would have been amazing. I had the bookbinder all lined up because I'm a bookbinder myself, not like Paul Tronson's level, but I'm, I'm not bad. And I okay. had it all negotiated so that for an extra 30 bucks grade fee, you'd have your manual bound in the color of the grade in leather. And it's so sad that never happened, eh? Yeah, that that definitely is uh, kills me. I I would love to see you know like a, a, a sketch of that or something. You know. Well, you know, I don't even have the copies of the edited grade material that I did over those years in Puyallup because they were all uh, Voldemort's computer. But yeah. uh, it was very sad. I have the, I have my grade material with all of course. the notes that I used. And, you know, in my magical diaries from the mid nineties, you can see me thinking, you can see my notes in my diary saying, this material seems problematic. Who knows? Maybe one day I'll rewrite it and be the one to rewrite it. And I was, but it never got released, which breaks my heart to this day because the material that people are still learning on is poorly written. Some of it does contain original work that I did, which is ironic. Right. But I I can't get into that now. I got to let you go. For your wife's sake. All right, brother. We will definitely do this again. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I said, I, I will. Um, I'll message you sometime tonight, and we'll get that figured out because I, I want to keep talking. Do you have any last words of wisdom to sign off with for those who are not in an order practicing or wanting to practice? Uh, the only thing that comes to mind is, you know, like the one thing, again, that I tell students over and over again is continually experiment. If something says don't do it, don't be satisfied with it saying don't do it. Figure out why it says don't do it, even if it means that you have to do it to figure out why. You're, as far as you know right now, you're only going to live once. Test everything. Question everything else. And do lots of DMT. All right, that's been official official wisdom from a Golden Dawn Imperator and veteran of Western mystery traditions. Thank you so much for joining me. This is magical. Thank you, brother. And remember, this episode today was brought to you by Two for One Adrenochrome. Just type in Epstein for your sale offer. (laughs) Yeah, that's... I love it. You know, whatever. (laughs) Okay, man, I'll talk to you later. (laughs) All right. Good night, bro. See ya. Hermetic Science Enterprises is a publishing company based in Scotland, UK, that specializes in Western esoteric printed literature as well as educational videos. With various imprints under its belt, its roster consists of grimoire tradition literature, alchemical works, Golden Dawn tradition books, and the several texts and videos originally belonging to the philosophers of nature. Besides its downloadable videos and standard hardcover edition books, Hermetic Science Enterprises also produces beautiful and precious limited fine edition books that are true pieces of art. For more information, 
to order any of its products, please visit www.hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk. That's hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk. And as a lot of you know, I've uh, talked with the publisher Lenny on the podcast before, including a six-hour epic uh, extended version on the Patreon, and uh, seen the fine edition of his new grimoire of Scott's Discovery of Witchcraft, which is only available for purchase up to 50 limited copies uh, till the end of May, I believe. So check it out now. HermeticScienceEnterprises.co.uk